welcome to the 209th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. So welcome to year five, right? Uh, big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. We are currently discussing 1989's uh, Avengers West Coast, West Coast Avengers by John Byrne. So a lot of focus on, on Wanda and the vision. So you can hear all about that. Things are just getting wacky. And uh, I'm, 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 I'll probably do this until we get to the mystery of the kids, of their, their, their two kids. Like, what, what is, I mean, we know. I, I just, I'm waiting to get back there. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. <laughs> or, or less or more uh, as ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right so there is it's a, it's a full week i think it looks like there's a there's a lot um yeah so you know i'm gonna talk about the regular tv shows legends tomorrow star girl what if titans you know all, all those we actually have two movie features ish maybe almost kind of three the main uh movie feature is gonna be Candyman, and i gotta Make sure there's no reflective surfaces. I'm not saying it in front of a mirror. There's no mirrors where I'm at. So you, you can hear about that. Uh, I also did see The Night House. So that came out the previous week, but I saw it last weekend. And uh, I really liked it. So I want to I talk about that. Um, I may talk a little bit about The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. So that's like the Netflix anime, animated movie. Uh, yeah. Um, I, people, the critics love it. <laughs> I... I I can't say that I loved it, but that it's not at the fault of the movie. It's just I'm not heavily invested in The Witcher. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And then um, I I wanted to talk about this Netflix show called Clickbait. I only watched like a, the first episode and a half because this week has been nuts. But I guess I can talk about that. <laughs> Let, let's talk about my week before I get into it because this is random. Just so you know why I, I barely got into everything. All right, so the first thing I want to, I want to mention, I'm going to give a, a negative shout-out. So I, I've been driving a Mini Cooper Countryman for a while. I really love the car. It's a 2013 car, and I, I haven't had it for like a week because uh, I would park it. The fan was just like running for like – it turns out the fan was like running for like 10 minutes. It's like, what is going on? First day of school, my check engine light goes on. I'm like, this is like the worst time. So it, it turns out the, the there was like no coolant in the car. Um, so it's what's going on. And, you know, I, I always take my car to dealer and I know they say you shouldn't, but I always trusted a dealer. You know, I had an extended warranty and everything like that. But then just recently I've been kind of like, hmm. So they're like towed a car to us. I was like, uh, I don't know. Anyways. And so what had happened is there was like, like three leaks. I was like, what the heck? The car is not even 10 years old. It doesn't even have 80,000 miles on it. I don't drive it, you know, especially during COVID, you know, no one was driving. So there's like a, a leak in a hose, like the water pump was leaking. There was like something else. And they do as, as you know, I don't want to sound like super negative towards Mini. You know, when they, they check out your car, the, what do you call them? The car service dude. They have like, they take like a camera, phone, cam, whatever. And they like show you everything. They show you the brakes, uh, you know, how the brake pads, the tire treads. And, and they showed the leaks. And it's not, I was like, at first I was like, did they just take a hammer and bang it? No, they didn't because you could see like dried up stuff. In it. So I was just like really annoyed with, with all that. And it, it took a week. They were slammed. So when I called, 
a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago, whatever, they weren't taking appointments till September 15th. So it's like about a month. I was like, I can't wait that long. But then they're like, oh, let me put you on the phone with this, you know, the service technician dude who's he's he's been been great since I've been dealing with him. And he's like, we'll bring it in. We'll put you like on standby. So if we get it and so that was on a Wednesday, they, you know, they checked it out on a Saturday and then they called me on Monday and told me to deal. And then it was a then I got the car back on Wednesday. But it was like. With everything, and there was like other things that needed to be done, but they weren't like crucial. So I, I spent like twenty five hundred bucks. So I'm just like, so. Anyways, that messed up my Wednesday drive because I had to drive home, and then because you know I, I had my wife's car, had to get her. We had to drive down to the car dealer, and then I had to go from the car dealer back to school, which is like this big long stretch of of road and stoplights and and businesses and stuff like that. Because I had back to school night on Wednesday. So I didn't get home Wednesday night until like nine. So that means I was like late watching or late reading comics. And then I wanted to watch this clickbait show. And I, like I said, I, I think I mentioned I only got like an episode and a half. So that was just crazy. And then Friday, we, <laughs> which is like, here's a big boohoo. We, we, my school, we do like two main field trips. I mean, there's other field trips. We go to the beach at the beginning and the end of the year because the beach from our school, it's like, maybe 40 minutes, you know, 40 minute drive through like some windy roads and everything like that. So he spent the whole day at the beach, but then that means like during, you know, lunch or breaks or, you know, I like, I couldn't do any, anything. So it's just, it's been a crazy week. So that's, that's, that's anyways, anyways. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about and I don't know why I spent like four to three minutes talking about that. But, um, as far as the news, Guess what? <laughs> Not a whole lot of news. I know I say this a lot, but I think this time it's it's, it's the truth. Uh, the main big thing was the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. So the trailer actually kind of leaked. Uh, see, when did it leak? I think it was like Sunday. And then I think it was officially released maybe Monday. Was it the next day? So the trailer is, is pretty bonkers. Now, I don't know if you like avoid trailers um, I couldn't avoid it. I was like, I got to see this. Because at first, I think they said they weren't going to do any trailers, but then they they did. So if you um, avoid trailers and uh, maybe like skip over like a minute or, or so, starting now. So it, it starts off picking up from the last movie, No Way Home, right? You know, everyone knows Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So he finally, he decides to go to, to Doctor Strange and he's like, hey, can you do like a spell or something to make people forget type of thing? Wong is like on his way out. Maybe he's, he's on, on his way to cage match fight and like in Shang-Chi, we'll find out next week. And uh, he's like, don't do that spell. And then he's like, oh yeah, I won't. And he's like, we winks at Spider-Man. So he does it. And I guess this is supposed to mess up the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. Crazy things happening. You hear like some laughing. There's lightning. Does that, that mean, uh, well, it must mean Mac or Electro because we know Jamie Foxx is in it. Um, you see Alfred Molina, uh, but there's like a goblin grenade pumpkin bomb. So it's it's gonna be it's been crazy. No no like other hints. Well, I don't want to say anything. But then there's a lot of people who are like, is that Charlie Cox's arm? Is Daredevil gonna? Be? We don't know. So okay, that's should be the end of the spoilers or end of the. the it's not really spoilers though. But for those who are avoiding the trailer, it's safe now to listen. So, um, but I'll just say you know that the trailer does show a bit, and uh, so you have to wonder. We have to assume that there's still a lot more because you know they're gonna choose the footage very carefully you know because right now it's what the end of august we have till december so you know 
I, I guess we'll see how. I mean, the, the fact that the trailer leaked, like, what's what's that about? So we'll have to see if. I mean, I don't really want to see any more trailers. When you know, I think because I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige said they weren't going to do release a trailer. I'm kind of okay with that. It's like at this time, at this point in the game or whatever you want to say, do we really need a trailer for, for another movie? I can see, you know, if it's something like Eternals, like that second Eternals trailer did sell me more. I mean, I was interested after the first trailer, whether it was a teaser or the first, I don't know. I don't even know. But the second trailer, I was like, oh, okay, this is more interesting because we found out more information. So that that's a good thing because Eternals, as far as the movie goes, are this is a new product. And for me, it's kind of new. You know, I, I know a little bit about the Eternals. And so that was good. Shang-Chi, I, I, I kind of don't need any more trailers, especially since the movie's coming out next week. But it gets to the point, it's like, okay, I, I get what this is. Cool. I, I, I'm going to go see this. But I could see them releasing more just to, you know, try, again, try to sell people. But when it comes to these known quantities, like if they're, like for when, when the next door movie comes out, I don't need a trailer for next door movie. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for that already. And, you know, Taika Waititi, I'm, it's going to be amazing. I, I'm going to go on record right now and say that. I said it here first <laughs> before anyone else, right? No. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, I think certain things like that, if it's, if it's a, a name brand, if it's a sequel, 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 we kind of don't really need it. Unless it's like some big unknown. But there's been just such a pretty, you know, solid consistency with all the Marvel movies. So, like, if there's going to be another Avengers movie or, you know, another something, again, another sequel, we don't need the trailers. So, do a, a teaser trailer if you, if you must. But that's what all I have to say about that. So, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more. But it was, it was a good trailer, so we have that. Um, as far as... <laughs> I guess Sony's going to be calling this uh, Sony's Spider-Man universe. So that's what they're going to be referring to, like Venom and Morbius and uh, who, wait, who else? Craven, probably all that. It seems I get it, but it just seems kind of weird. And but the thing is, like Tom Holland only has one more, uh, or actually, I think this is his last movie. So they're going to have to renegotiate. Is that right? Because I, I thought Sony. The, what they're, the deal with the MCU is they have No Way Home plus one, maybe one more Spider-Man can appear in one more movie, but Tom Holland's not locked in to, to play. Hmm. So they're going to have to do some uh, negotiation. I mean, Tom Holland has, has said that you know he he loves doing the character. He wants to you know keep doing it, but of course, when it comes to star power or whatever this or that, you know, actors should get what they deserve, especially you know if it's going to be a blockbuster movie. If there's that guarantee. Although with the way theater box offices are now, it's not as much of a guarantee. But there's, it's going to make money, whether it's in a theater or you know rentals, Blu-ray, whatever. So he's, yeah, he's. They're going to have to negotiate, and and they're going to have to make make sure he gets a, a happy deal. Um, as far as another trailer, so this is an example. Like uh, there was a new trailer for The King's Man that was released, and they, they released actually like a red band trailer. I'm tempted to watch it. But actually, I decided, I was like, I, I, I kind of don't want to watch it. I don't need to watch it. The first trailer for The Kingsman, I'm, and when I first heard it, it's like, okay, they're doing The the, the Kingsman, but like the, the earlier, the first generation or whatever you want to call it, you know, a long time ago, <laughs> old timey days. But, well, you know, seeing the first, I was like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. And, and I, I'm, I'm down. I'm there. So a new trailer came out. I don't need to be sold on it. I am going to see it. 
you know, when that comes out, you know, day day one or day zero of if there, you know, as long as hopefully there's a preview night, the Thursday night, I will see it. So I kind of don't want to see it because it's just it bothers me when that you the big things are spoiled. And, you know, there's a lot of times where it's like a big joke is spoiled. And then when you see it in the movie, it's like, yeah, I, I saw that same joke like. 57 times because it's like I'm in every single TV spot and everything like that. And every time I go to the movie, they show the same trailer. And so that's the thing. It, well, I, 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 okay. I probably will see it. Cause I'm sure it'll be playing at some other movie when I will be, but I'm yeah. So I didn't say, so if you watched it, how was it? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it, it was good. We'll see. Uh, the flash news. Uh, <laughs> actually, there's, there's two different things. The flash. One, I didn't, I, I saw a headline like the flash movie is not going to be your typical superhero. I'm like, okay, whatever. And no, I know it's totally different, but after Zack Snyder's Justice League and all the Flash... Okay, whatever. It's going to not be like a, your typical. I, I'll, I'm going to go see that. I didn't even want to read the article. So I was like, I'm not going to click this. I don't, I don't care. But the Flash TV show... The next season of The Flash, I think I think it starts in November, and I don't know if they're starting this big crossover thing with the premiere. I think that might be the case. So there's supposed to be like Armageddon is a storyline, and I think there's like some alien. I don't even know what's going on, but there's going to be a lot of like returning faces. So they're going to be, you know, it's like Batwoman is going to be in there. So we'll probably do a crossover with that. But there's really no other CW shows. If you think about it, because like, I mean, aside from like Superman and Lois, I guess they could do that. And in Stargirl now, we'll see. But uh, we're also going to, um, even though uh, Reverse Flash, so he's going to be in there. So even though, what is his name? I'm drawing a blank. Um, anyways, Tom Cavanaugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he, he's done with the show, but he, he's going to, you know, he's not a series regular anymore, but he's going to do that. So that's cool. Damien Dark. Uh, he's going to appear back in here. Uh, Black Lightning, so his show ended, but we'll get to see him. Ray Palmer, Brandon Ruth is coming back. And what I'm really excited about is Mia Smoke is is going to be the time travel, I guess. But I'm, I'm still, I'm really bummed that the Green Arrow and the Birds of Prey, was Green Arrow and the Birds of Prey? Green Arrow and the, what were they calling a the show? Whatever. I'm, I'm bummed at her spinoff show, didn't get greenlit. So I don't know what you're thinking, CW. But yeah, I, I would I want to see more of that character because I, 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 yeah. Um, Cowboy Bebop. So Netflix released uh, like an image uh, for the Netflix show, obviously, because if it's Netflix releasing it. So the live action Cowboy Bebop. I'm, I'm excited for it. I really like the anime. And uh, I have, I have one, I think I have one, maybe, was it one or two? But I have a, a, a manga of it. And I don't know, I can't tell you specifically, like, if it's when that came out. Like, if this came out, like, more recently. Actually, it's, and I've had it for a while. But I don't know if it came out, like, after the show, if it was before the show, whatever. But I, I really, I mean, who doesn't like Cowboy Bebop? Actually, I think this guy, Rich, doesn't like Cowboy Bebop. He's never watched it, and you're crazy, Rich. Um, so what they're going to do, which I think is cool, is we're going to get some, like, comic book series for cowboy bebop and i, I think that's great that the fact that we haven't had one it seems seems nutty so it's gonna be, i think it's titan comics is gonna be putting out in november there's gonna be like a it's something like cowboy bebop something something red planet requiem 
And then there's going to be a four-issue Cowboy Bebop, the comic series or something like that, in December. And it's on Netflix. The Netflix show drops on November 19th. All episodes on November 19th, because that's how Netflix does it. Much to my dismay. Uh, Disney Plus, who doesn't drop everything at once, which I appreciate. There's a a report, so this isn't official, that they're working on some uh, Marvel Halloween special. That's may be supposedly starting production like early 2022. So it won't come out this Halloween. It'll probably be next Halloween. And I guess the the word is that like Werewolf by Night's going to be in there. So, okay. And, you know, we, we've had two different Werewolf by Night's. So isn't it Jack Russell? It's the original Werewolf by Night. Jack Russell Werewolf, Jack Russell Terrier Werewolf, and then uh, there was a the new Werewolf by Night series, which I, I read the first couple issues, but it just didn't um, didn't work with me for some reason. So I, I kind of dropped it, and I I don't even know if it was a mini series. I'm assuming it was a mini series, quote unquote mini series. So I don't, yeah, that's all we know, and that's not even official. Uh, we also uh, Matrix, the Matrix, so. Uh, Resurrections is going to be the Matrix Resurrections is is going to be coming out. One of the Wachowski sisters, I, f- I think Lana, mentioned like in in an interview why she's not involved with this, and she just said like it's just, you know doing the back to back to back with everything, and I guess she's just exhausted and everything. And that's why she didn't do season two of Sensate, whatever. So she's just like I I can't do it. I don't want to do it. So which which is good. You know, bravo. It's like, you know, you have to you have to take care of yourself. And while, you know, the Wachowskis were involved with the original and, you know, you'd, you you would hope for that, you know, just to bring back that magic that we loved with the first Matrix and kind of the second, <laughs> maybe not as much with the third. But, you know, you would hope for that back. But again, you know, you obviously we won't don't want something with someone involved with it that's exhausted or not giving up, you know, and then it could just go like so. That so bravo for taking care of yourself because that that's the most important thing. And then uh, Old Guard Two, so I guess it's official. So Old Guard Two, obviously, is based on a comic, and uh, the the first movie which you haven't watched on Netflix, you should. It's it's, it's pretty good. And uh, Victoria Mahoney is going to direct the the sequel. So the original director is not doing the sequel, I guess, because how well received the first one was this gave the director like more opportunities which is great so they're they're involved they're, they're basically booked up with other things so so it happens but sometimes you know it's it's good to mix things up because you know you don't want just the same thing over and over again and you know, get a fresh eye and all that so that'll be cool so we have uh, no idea when that's going to come out because you know, i don't even know if they started writing anything so but that's gonna be good so read the comics watch the first one um, and in speaking of comics, I'm trying to think if there's any big comic news. And I, I think there was. I'm trying to think. But uh, the one thing that, that I have off the top of my head is, so with uh, James Tynan IV, you know, he has mentioned that he is going Substack or indie or whatever you want to call it. You know, he's doing his own stuff, creator own stuff. Um, you know, he'll still be doing Department of Truth and uh, Something's Killing Children. But he's going to be leaving Batman. So when his story arc's done, you know, all that. So they have announced, take a big guess, who is going to be writing Batman? I, I think there's only one writer. <laughs> there's like one writer that's writing like almost everything. So it's going to be Joshua Williamson. So bravo to Joshua 
for writing it. Jorge Molina is going to be doing the art, and uh, and we have that. So that'll be starting up in December. So we have that to look forward to. And with that, actually, so 20 minutes-ish, I guess that wasn't too bad. That's going to be the news for the week. All right, with comic books at Image, we had, speaking of James Tynan IV, Department of Truth number 12. And, I, you know, I'll say this every single month when there's a new issue. You need to be reading this comic. This is so good. It, it puts me on edge a little bit, you know, because it's dealing with a lot of conspiracies and kind of the truth and, you know, government, you know, cover-ups and this and that. And, you know, I can't help but wonder, it's like some of this stuff is like, is this how James really feels? Or is, I mean, I'm assuming no. <laughs> or, you know, is he just, you know, taking this this stance, you know, whatever, and writing it with these characters? Because it's fiction, yeah, obviously. Well, I hope, I think, maybe. And it's, so it's just really fascinating, the different things that, that are coming up. And, you know, as we've had this main character, you know, who, uh, Cole, who who's joined the organization, and we, we've seen glimpses at, like, an incident that happened when he was, I think it was, like, at a daycare or, you know, whatever. And, you know, with this star-faced demon cult eating babies in the basement. And then, but it's like, did that really happen or not? Is there really something? And was it something that was created? And So there's just a lot of that. And we're starting to see a, a little bit more of that. Because, you know, we have this this character, Hawk Harrison, who, you know, we've seen the last few issues that, during, like, the Bigfoot arc, which was great. And uh, so it's just like, man, what is going on here? I don't really know. And it's just, it's just uh, really, really crazy. So um, it's just a great comic. And, you know, we're at issue 12. So is there only one trade out? Probably the second trade will coming out soon. But it's, it's, a, it's a great series. So you should be reading that. Um, King Spawn came out also. So I started reading this because, you know, there's, whole bunch of people involved with this you know with the art and you know it's it's sean lewis and todd mcfarland writing it but as i started reading it i i'll be totally honest i got maybe like two or three pages into it and i was like man i have no idea what's going on so uh the synopsis is a historical new ongoing spawn series begins the launch of this book nearly three decades in the making further expands the Spawn universe with a growing presence of hell, heaven, and, and heroes here on Earth. Classic villain from Spawn's past has begun asserting his powers on Earth by corrupting as many souls as possible, and only Spawn knows that he even exists. Continuing the dramatic battles from Spawn's universe number one, this is where it all begins. Don't miss out. The last time a new ongoing Spawn series launch was 1992. Yeah, so, because um, he, he was talking to what's her name, or Jessica Priest? But then I think they called her like, did they call her like She Spawn or something? And I was like, what? So yeah, I, I just read it. I was just like, I, I and maybe if, if I would have read, but okay, and I will admit, part of it is because I was behind with my reading and I'm just trying to, it's like, okay, I want to, I need to get through these comics. So I started reading that and, and it just, it didn't feel new reader accessible, but then again, maybe if I read, you know, got the page three or whatever, you know, the next page, it would have started to make sense, and there, or there could have been some explanations. I'm sure there there were. I would think there there are, but yeah. So I, I didn't finish it. I, I obviously since you know I have it, I'm gonna f- finish it at maybe at some point. I should, but but new spawn. So um, congrats to. I mean, it's it's great that spawn's still going. You know, after all these years, I, I'm you know very happy for that. I just kind of fell off, you know, here and there. So I can't, I, I feel like every time I try reading it, I feel like there's just so much I don't know what's going on. So it's just hard for me, but 
you know, that's that's my fault. Um, Old Guard, Tales Through Time, Issue 5 and 6. And, you know, I hate to say it, but this is a series that I kind of struggle with, where it's kind of cool seeing these characters in different points in their immortal lives. But part of it is, I mean, I really like the series, but, you know, I can't say that I love it. I can't say I'm super crazy, a hardcore fan, and I want to know every bit of history with these characters. So for me, when I'm looking at, okay, I need to read, you know, 20, 30, whatever number of comics. And then I have this one. It's just like, okay, so this is kind of cool. We saw this. But for me, since I'm not heavily invested in the characters, seeing what they did in 1896 or whatever, you know, some some random year, it's like, okay, that, that that's fine. So um, with, with this one, you know, we – actually, I don't think I, I kind of ended up skimming through the second one. So Jason Aaron wrote the first story, and then Alejandro Arbona wrote the second um, Rafael Albuquerque did the art for the first part, and then Cano uh, Cano did the art for the second. So the yeah, the the first one, the story. I don't even can you describe it? You know, one dude he kind of gets a, a kidnapped by these like nun warrior cults, and then uh, he because you know he's just drinking. They think he's you know a sinner, and I don't even want to give away what happens because. You know, it's, it's it's but it's like, does that really change anything about the character? That uh, I don't know. And then the, the second one, I'll admit, the reason I didn't read, I, I looked at the second one, and it, I don't I don't even know what the year it was. So this first one took place in the seventies. The second one, it didn't tell us what year it was right away. And then I started flipping through. It's like, are they going to tell us what year this is? It's during the I, I think it was like during the, the, the horse drawn cat carriage like top hat suit like maybe monocle time period and i was just like i kind of don't really want to read about this time period because i'm fuddy-duddy or whatever but uh yeah so maybe i'll i'll again check that out at, at some point so old guard fans i mean it is cool to see these different moments but i guess i guess part of the problem is like, i want to see like continuing adventures you know what are they doing now but it's again it is cool seeing other writers getting a chance to tell their stories here so it's just yeah you know whatever that's just like again a personal problem then there is a that texas blood number nine which i I've, i keep saying i get caught up i haven't and i'm sure this is gonna be cool someday i'll get caught up on, on that um and then uh vinyl issue three uh there's a pretty there's a, a kind of a cliffhanger at the end, like a revelation about Walter, the like serial killer dude. And uh, it's just so bizarre, like what's happening. He's working with these other killers and kind of like the government and everything like that. And I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating book. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I can really say about it. So it's just well, that last page. It's like, okay, what does this mean? What's going to happen next? I, I, I don't know. Uh, at, Boom Studios, Something is Killing the Children, issue 19, came out. So this is another... I mean, it's James Tynan IV. So you should be reading this as well. And this... what I, I really like the story arc, and I know I've said this before, but I, I almost like the story arc better than the first story arc, which... I feel kind of bad for that, but here part of it is we're getting you know the backstory. We're seeing like the origin, you know. We're seeing like you know with the the order how it first started and and with these monster hunters, monster killers, whatever you want to call them, and and you know how this ritual 
thing happens. You know, they, they bring you know this, this the our character, main character, and uh, how Erica, you know, how she was brought in, and then she has to go through this ritual. She might not survive the ritual. Obviously, we know she is because she was in the, the other you know story arc. But it's just a really fascinating, just seeing the just a how the backstory fold, unfolds and more about the organization. And and we have the spinoff series coming out. Um, so I just just really enjoy this. I I think there's just so much um, fascinating stuff here. Just the way we're we're seeing it all, and I, I can't wait for whatever. I, f- I forget what the adaptation was. If it's if it was going to be you know Netflix or or something like that, but. Um, it's it's just it's it's really cool so you should be reading that i'm gonna say that every time as well at dc comics we had detective comics 1042 and i am so thankful or not thankful i'm so appreciative that we have a series that is 1042 that they are back to the original numbering i think that's awesome so here uh it's a the conclusion of i think it's a conclusion of this the story, the vile story, and uh, what's his name? Was it Mister Worth? That that dude, and uh, just seeing how that story is wrapped up, and the infection of vile, and you know Batman trying to fight it, and everything like that. And so, I mean, it's it's been good, and Victor Bogdanovic, uh, his art has just been amazing. So. I worry, I, I, I may have said this before, but I worry that he's going to become like a cover artist and we're not going to see interiors from him anymore. So it just bugs me when they have these, you know, artists with such a strong visual style and then they're like, hey, let's just put this this artist on covers to try to sell the books or whatever. And the artist will be like, yeah, I'll just do covers because I can sell the cover original art more for the interior original art. And, you know, I can do, you know, more covers and, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. So we have all that. And then uh, then there's a, the backup story. What was the backup? Oh, the backup story, it's, it's really neat. So we have this uh, this new reporter lady that's been introduced in this arc. And, you know, she's investigating the story. And, and Jason Todd's been kind of working with it, with her. It's it's just, I, I really like it. It's, I, I kind of feel like we're getting a lot of Jason Todd like, all over the place. So, you know, that I, you got to kind of be careful with how you're balancing all that. But... Uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying seeing him here. Then we have Action Comics 1034, and I'm not super crazy about this story arc. So you know we had these aliens come, you know, from War World or whatever, and you know they, they got the they're they got these chains and they're I don't even know what you know don't take my chains away and the chain bearers and this and that. So they're at the Fortress of Solitude. And you know, it's it's like, what is are their intentions? Are they all bad? Some of them are bad. Are you know, are any of them good? And then there's like the whole deal with the power source that landed in the ocean, and Atlantis claims it. And the, the government, U.S. government, wants it, and everything like that. And there's big skirmish happening, and so. And then there's a uh, the Midnighter backup story, which I am not reading. I just, I mean, I didn't read the first one, so obviously I'm not going to start reading it now. It just seems weird that you're going to do a Midnighter backup story in a Superman comic. I mean, I, I guess it's action comics. And yeah, way back then they always did, you know, these random, you know, there was like Superman and then, uh, uh, what was her name? Black Thorn? Poison? 
whatever. You, you you probably know what I'm talking about. So yeah, I'm I'm not reading that, but it's just it's it's an odd choice. I would think you know do something Superman related, but maybe it's just a way since you know Midnighter doesn't have his own comic, so it's just a way to put it. But I don't know. It's just just kind of kind of weird. And then uh, we had Batman Superman twenty one, which I just even though I said I wasn't going to read this more, I'm skimming through it. You know, Ivan Rice is doing the art. You know, Danny Mickey. But the story, the story is interesting. It just feels like it's like a like a what if story. You know, it, it, it feels like it's like an extended Superman Red and Blue or you know something like that, where you know we're seeing like these different versions, you know, of Superman and Batman, which I I think looks great, especially with Ivan Rice's art. But I don't. I just feel like where is this? You know, at the end of the, the arc, what is this going to establish? You know, is it going to change anything? And again not all stories have to do that but when i for me when i'm looking and trying to you know keep up with all these comics you know i i have to be choosy you know because i'll lose my mind you know trying to read it it's one thing if if i'm was able if i was just going to read at my leisure which maybe i'll read it next week or something like that but since i'm trying to read them all every week it's just it, it gets to be a bit much then there's Harley Quinn issue six, which I started reading, and then I was like skimming through this, and uh, you know it's Catwoman, she, she appears in here, and it was kind of, it, it felt a little weird because I feel like, well you know Catwoman doesn't have a lot of patience necessarily, but you know when you think back to like Gotham City Sirens, when weren't they like living together? Like it was Harley, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, right? So, you know, her whole thing is like, why are you in Alleytown? Or, you know, because it's supposed to be like Catwoman's territory, which is like, dude, you don't own those that section of Gotham or whatever. So, yeah, I couldn't even. And it's just like, okay, so she's here, but, you know, she's dealing with this St. Valley dude in her comic. And so, I don't know. Oh, that's something I didn't mention. Uh, there is a report that a bunch of, like, DC comics are, are going to be delayed. And suppose it has to do with like I don't know if it has like supplies because with COVID and like certain things shut down or whatever. But I, I remember uh, Batman Catwoman was one of them. And I was like, okay, that's it's it's delayed because of material issues or something. I mean, materials like supplies or I don't know. Robin issue five. This is uh, just this is such a fun comic. I mean, Damien's just a, such a lovable little jerk, and this Lazarus tournament that's coming up—you know—it's it's heating up. I love how Rose um, Ravagers is being used here. I, I, there's something about her character. Deathstroke, I really like, but sometimes he just gets annoying. He gets tiresome when we keep seeing. Just, I, I think it's because he has like such an attitude that you know he's so awesome. You know, he's he's the best mercenary, the top whatever. And is he really? Maybe he is. Uh, is he the best fighter? Maybe not. But there's something about Rose, and and I I like her better when you know she's a, more on the on the good side, you know, because of her ties to her father, you know, that that darkness, whatever. I I just I I like that she's kind of looking out for Damien and everything, and you know, Damien was upset that she kind of ratted on him and told Jason, and you know, so like Jason and. and Nightwing and Tim Drake, what's he? Is he Sir Robin, Round Robin, Red Robin, <laughs> Round Robin? <laughs> and those, I think, spoiler was there. Cassie wasn't. 
so they're like all trying to get Damien. So it's just it's just a fun book. Batman Reptilian. So this is uh, Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp. This is a else not else. What is else word? But it's a black black label. So there's like some vicious creature that's like killing or taking a bite or taking a taste out of everyone, trying to figure out what's going on. So this is just. This I don't mind, and again because it is a black label book, so I know it's out of continuity. I know it's its own deal. So here we just get a really cool story. So I know it may sound a little hypocritical, or I'm kind of praising, but maybe also because it's it's well written and, and and the art, you know, it's just it's so stylistic and you know it's just so so great. And uh, so I'm I'm just really intrigued where, where this is going. Then we have Checkmate issue three. And I feel like this is kind of going back and forth because, you know, we have the story going, you know, forward and then it does like a flashback and it's like, okay, then you, you start to see like revelations that uh, uh, that tie into the present, like, oh, surprise, this is really what's going on. And then the other thing, the tiny thing that kind of bothers me is like Damien's here. So it's like, okay, is this taking place before his series or after his series? You know, and he's not really playing nicey nice with anyone else, but then here... He, well, not that he's ever plays nicey nice, but you know he's tolerating others, and so that's the main thing. And um, I still don't understand like the whole thing, Mark Shaw. Like, what is his? What's he trying to accomplish here? You know, what what's his goal? So, and part of it is like, I don't know if I really care. You know, it's like just do what you're gonna do, dude. I, I don't care anymore. Uh, then we have Superman, Son of Kal El, issue two. Now, apparently. I, I saw that there's kind of like hardcore, like mixed reviews on this. You know, it seems like a lot of people are loving this because, you know, people love Tom Taylor's books and, uh, you know, John Tim's art is just, just great. But there's like, there's like some sort of controversy. And, and you know, at, at some point it was trending on Twitter. So I was like, I, I, I always, I'm curious, like what, why, why is it trending? And, you know, I saw some people were like, yeah, issue two is going to be my last issue. And, like, they're really upset about something. And I'm trying to think, I was like, what's going on? Why, why are they so upset? And I don't know if, if it had to do with, because Damien, or not Damien, Jonathan at one point talked to Super, and he's like, why don't you do more? You know, it's like, you know, he has all this power. Why doesn't he do more just to help the world or save the world? And and Superman's kind of like, you know, well, you know, he wasn't born there. So, you know, it, it's kind of like he doesn't want to overstep his, his bounds or anything like that. But since Jonathan was born there, you know, it's kind of up to him. And he's like, you're literally putting the weight of the world on my shoulder. It kind of seems like a cop out. He's like, well, I wasn't born here. So this is your problem. You, you deal with the, all the mess everywhere. So I don't know if, if there, if, 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 I don't know if that's a problem. If Jonathan decides to take more of a political stance where, you know, he's doing what he feels right. And I, I don't know why people are upset. <laughs> uh, Con Con Connor, what was his name? So Jonathan created, they with thanks to Batman and Oracle, they created a new secret identity for him, which he wouldn't need if Clark Kent or Superman didn't reveal his identity. But he's, he's going to college now. It's like, he's that old? I thought like maybe he was like 15 or 16. So he's, he's going to college. He needs a secret identity. Uh, unfortunately, he kind of blows his identity because there's like a threat is it the thoughts and prayers? Is that what people are upset about? I don't even know. I don't know why pe people get upset over everything. And I'm not saying you don't have a right to be upset, but I don't know, know why people are upset. 
So yeah, he doesn't. He couldn't have a secret. I'd, and and he meets this. Uh, makes he kind of makes a new friend. There's one one page where just the, the expressions on their face, and I kind of wonder is like, are we gonna find out that they like each other? You know. So we, Tim Drake is bisexual. Is Jonathan? We don't know. See, the thing is, the difference. I mean, not well. Tim Drake is bisexual, so maybe he's always been. We just didn't know that. Uh, with Jonathan. There's never been any hint of, although, no, because he kissed Saturn Girl, and I guess he liked it. He kissed the girl, and he liked it. Is that not the song? So I don't know if there's ever really been any mention of, of Jonathan's sexuality, because why would there be? He's been a little kid for most of the time we knew him, and then he was aged. So it's like, are they going to make him bisexual now? You know, more representation, all that? And, and I saw on the the Twitter comments that someone else said the same exact thing that, you know, just, just the way they're looking at each other. It's like, okay. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's, it's according to Seinfeld. Um, but it was just, just interesting. I, yeah, I have no idea why people are upset, but it's, it's a great, I, I love Tom Taylor's. I love his writing. So we'll have to, I can't wait for issue three. Then we have Superman 78 issue one. And this was good, you know, throwing us or letting us dive back into this era, the, the you know, just Richard Donner, Christopher Reeves, Superman, and, you know, it was nice. As far as this issue, um, the issue was good. You know, I, I can't say that I super-duper loved it, but I did like it. I'm excited to see. It's interesting. I, th- I think it's kind of a daring, in a way, to give us Brainiac right away. It's like, wow, because, you know, the threats in, in this – Christopher Reeve Superman movies, they seem to be kind of toned down a bit. You know, Lex Luthor, oh, you know, evil businessman. Okay, so I, I think it's kind of cool that they're just. It's cool and interesting that they're throwing Brainiac at us right away. So it's like, okay, let, let's see where this is gonna go. But uh, you know, also it is fantastic to have that. Secret identity, the Clark Kent secret identity. You know, I I love that and I miss that. And uh, maybe a lot of people lo- love the fact that Superman came out and revealed his identity to the world. But I like I like that that was always part of his character. And you know, whatever. Maybe I'm I'm I was gonna say old fashioned, but I don't want that to sound bad. I just I loved him just struggling with that. You know, having that there. So I don't know. Um, there was. Superman versus Lobo, and I was reading this. I didn't realize since I was reading an app that this was a, a black label book because I'm reading this, and it feels like uh, it's not like current continuity because there's like just this unknown. I, I feel like I'm trying to think if Superman knew who Lobo was or Lobo knew who Superman was, but it doesn't seem like they've had a lot of interaction. So basically, Superman or Lobo wants to ruin Superman, wants to get Superman canceled type of thing. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it wasn't for me. Um, and it, the, the main reason is I liked Lobo before. I just find him extremely annoying now and tiresome because I feel like, like back in the 80s, you know, I, I, Lobo was, was cool. You know, I have this a statue you know a randy bowen statue which i love i think is awesome but just he just become so he's like so over the top and just so not vile but just just 
kind of immature in a way, but I just, I don't know, I just find him extremely annoying. And uh, so when he comes up in the store, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> At Marvel, um, Alien Issue 6 came out. I don't think I read Issue 5, and I'm kind of, I, I kind of fell off that series. So I don't know. If you're reading it, let me know. Should I go back and, you know, reread whatever I didn't read and, and continue reading it? But yeah, I just couldn't do it. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 72 came out. It's still, I feel like there's not, like, we're not getting any any concrete answers. We're, we're still seeing more. I have no idea what the, the Kindred deal is. So we were told before that Kindred is Harry Osborn, but Harry Osborn was with Carly Cooper, you know, being kept, held prisoner, and uh, there's some, you know, revelations or Norman Osborn, you know, finds some stuff out. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is one of them a clone? And the, the question could be, which, who is a clone? And I'm kind of wondering, is the Harry Osborn who was in the cell next to Carly Cooper, is that the clone and he just doesn't know it? But there's a, a reason... I mean, it makes more sense for Kindred. If if, Kind, if Kindred is going to be Harry Osborn, it makes more sense that, that that's Harry Osborn and the other one would be a clone. But we find out some stuff about Norman Osborn, like how, like the sort of deals that he might have made and why there's like this dark presence, whatever, that's like in his face right now. And But because um, I think spoiler, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this because it's not really, it's, it's a cliffhanger. Because I, I, if I remember correctly, because <laughs> I feel like I've read this like comic a week and a half ago, but it hasn't been that long, is Kindred, I think, reveals his, his assuming it's, it's he, if it's Harry, reveals his face to Mary Jane, and then but we don't see it, but it's kind of like a... <gasps> So it's like, what? <laughs> what's what's the big deal? We don't know. Then there's Avengers Annual Twenty One, and it's written by Jen McKay. You know, I, I like Jen McKay's stuff, but this is just really another of the infinite was it infinite destinies? Infinite, yeah. So the with the powers, Infinity Stones, or whatever. And uh, we do see someone else who, who gets one, but it's like a brand new character, which is fine. And it's just, I don't know, it just it felt kind of weird. And, and then the backup is more with Nick Fury Jr. And the fact that he had a star in his possession and was going to lock her up, which is just weird. So I don't, I don't know. Black Widow issue 10. I love the series. So I, I love that uh, Yelena's in it. I love that Anya's in this. And uh, it, it's kind of wrapping up the current storyline. Wait, is this the legacy issue? No, this was issue 50. I didn't even realize that. So um, you should be reading this. This is a great series. So it's issue 10. I hope it continues for many, many more issues. I hope it continues for at least 50 more issues. Then we have Cable Reloaded issue 1. I was all right with this. This was this was a fine. I mean, it was it was like I guess you would say like it's a regular solid cable story, and I'm okay with cable. I feel like you know I've kind of had cable overload like at one point over the years. So now that we have older cable, regular cable, whatever you want to call him, he's back 
And, you know, it, it felt like just like he's back. He goes on this mission. He's working with um, Abigail Brand. He recruits, you know, some mutants and a lot of them that he, who he's worked with in X-Force, but they couldn't call themselves X-Force since that name's already taken. So it was just, it was fine. You know, and uh, it's, a, a, I think my, my main problem is it's, it's veering a little more into like the stuff that's happening in Guardians of the Galaxy with a, uh, Dormammu and Ego and that I'm just like okay whatever Darkhawk issue one which um okay I did see one thing like one spoiler so there's a new Darkhawk who is all new Darkhawk and, and it tells you in the description so it says uh Connor Young is a 17 year old star basketball player with the world ahead of him until a surprising medical diagnosis changes everything. So here it doesn't mention, but I did see somewhere, I don't know if Marvel tweeted or something, where they say like what the condition is. What happens when a mysterious amulet finds him and gives him the power beyond belief? What will he do with these new abilities? Get in on the ground floor as Kyle Higgins and Juan and Ramirez start a new era. So when we had that anniversary issue back in April... And it was kind of we. I don't remember exactly what happened to Chris Powell, but I, you know, it was kind of like this is sort of end of Chris Powell's Darkhawk, or he's going off to do something else. I don't remember. And then there's like a hint of, are we going to get a new Darkhawk? And yes, we are, because Kyle Higgins wrote that story in that that anniversary issue. So he, I think he does a great job here, because you know the, the hard thing is, okay, he's got to create a new character now. So you know this Connor Young, why should we care about him? And the medical condition that he has, I think it's, I think it's really great, and I think it's important that we have a character like this. I don't know if there are any. I can't think of any other characters that have this medical condition. So I, I think it's really cool to see that. And again, just not not so much for representation, but just I mean, it could be in a way. You know, someone may see it's like, wow, you know, this this, this person has, is going through the same thing I am. So I that that's really cool, and. While I was super hesitant, I think I was getting at this earlier, and then now we have, you know, because I, I I would rather have Chris Powell come back and somehow pull back the some of the awesomeness from the '90s or whatever it was. So then it's like we're getting a new Darkhawk character, so I have to get to know and get have to care about this new character. But Kyle does a good job, you know, introducing it next week. So I'm I'm invested now. So I, I do want to see more of what's going to happen. Nonstop Spider-Man issue four. Um, I just I was kind of losing interest with this. You know, you know I love Spider-Man, but one I don't like the slanted page layout, the panel layouts, because I I feel like it's a little weird. Uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but it also feels like, and you know, it may not be the case, but I feel like we're we have just too much empty space at the top and the bottom on, on you know whatever the the, the, the diagonals. And it feels like we're getting shortchanged a little bit. That you know, here's we could have more comic, but or more you know, or bigger panels, but we're we're getting this, and it's just just a storyline. I don't know. There's I'm I'm just I'm kind of losing interest in it a little bit. But then we had another Spider-Man, Spider-Man Life Story Annual. So this is by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. What's cool about this? So with the Spider-Man Life Story, you know, this is like one of those story series that unfolds over regular time. So like each issue was a different decade. So this turns the focus on J. Jonah Jameson, and it's the same idea. But with so within this issue, it time unfolds, you know, 
normally like it would. So like, you know, starting in 1963 up until 2000, whatever, you know, he's aging that time. So we get to see, you know, his vendetta against Spider-Man and like what that does and where that leaves him. So I, I thought that was like a, a, a brilliant um, issue. Star Wars, Darth Vader. So this uh, new or this character, Achi of Bestoon, I kind of having this this issue kind of not not the, I mean it does focus a bit on on this this dude. Um, it's hard for me to care about this character, and maybe I don't know enough about it. But I'm trying I'm trying always try thinking like what would this does this character would it this character seem right in live action in a live action Star Wars movie. And I'm kind of struggling with that a little bit, you know, and it might be the colors, you know, how I always complain about the colors in the Star Wars or sci-fi comics. But I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and, you know, there, there is a little bit of background because, you know, this is a War of Bounty Hunter story. So there's more on, on the deal with the bidding for Han Solo and everything like that stuff that Darth Vader laid out. But I don't know. And then the uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra came out. I, I skimmed through that one and it, it just didn't seem like it really added anything. It's just showing a little bit more from after the bidding and the fighting, you know, trying to get Han Solo. Strange Academy issue 12. One of the characters, what's his name? Toth, yeah, Toth. I was like, is it Toth? So he, um, he was like this crystal being and he was shattered and we found out who did it and it's like why would this other student like potentially basically you know try to murder the, this this kid and so we, we get to see a little more and you know what's going to be a repercussion are there going to be any repercussions what's going to happen so it's a really interesting and not maybe not quite as as what you would expect so that that was pretty interesting symbiote spider-man crossroads um issue two same thing uh I, I find it interesting that you know that this. I, I think it's cool that it, it's associating to the time when Hulk was in the, the dimensional crossroad things, but I, I don't know that this something about the story is not quite grabbing me. And the same thing, it's kind of like a lot of these last few issues didn't really jive with me so well. United States of, of Captain America issue three. So we are introduced to another Captain America, one of the Captain Americas, whatever, in Kansas. And uh, I, I feel like I, you know, I'd like to know more about this character, but you know, we we get you know a certain amount. And really, what it comes down to is you have was it Wizard? Um, spoiler, you have you know you have someone masquerading as Captain America, trying to tarnish name and trying to kill all these uh, like Captain America wannabes or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so it's just like whatever. And um, and I believe, I don't know if it's something that was known, but someone else is kind of joining Captain America and Sam Wilson when, in this quest to defeat the bad guys. Um, then we have Thor issue 16. So this was a, this is kind of fun in a way because there's a lot of um, Thor talking with Jane on Earth, and you know he's just kind of talking about like the stuff that he's been going through because you know he's kind of losing his worthiness or whatever. You know he doesn't know what's going on, and you know he's having dreams and, and stuff like that. And then uh, Thor ends up fighting like alongside Odin because you know there's a little bit of tension between the two of them. So th this was a good issue. And then uh, we had Winter Guard issue one. Um, this one 
seemed a little weird. So if you've been reading the Avengers comics with the Winter Guards or their parents, then you know you're you'd probably want to read this if if you're you know interested in the characters at all. But you know we we see a little bit more about them and you know like what they're they're dealing with and with the missions and all that. But I I, I think part of the problem for me is the the style of the art didn't f- f- quite f- feel or flow for like from their appearances in Avengers. So it felt a little different and I, I can't really quite explain. It almost felt like that this wasn't in the same comic universe as the Avengers. Like it's almost felt like it was like a different story. And then, you know, then they were referring to certain things. So I was like, okay, no, it does fit in because, you know, every, we do kind of get these books every once in a while where it's like, okay, let's highlight these characters and show this. And so it just was a little bit, off and then it's, I think my other problem is like some of these characters I don't I'm not like a, a, a Winter Guard huge fan so it's like I kind of don't really care I'm, I'm curious I'm interested in this Red Widow like what is her deal and what who she um, reporting to but other than that yeah I, I'm not too invested on, on the other characters and then uh, the last one is Wolverine 15 and my problem with this is, so, you know, he's fighting this uh, Iraqi pirate, and I, uh, yeah, so I'm not really feeling this, this story arc, you know, because he's trying to find out, like, who who uh, took bombarded or whatever, hijacked, pirated uh, their shipment from uh, M. Frost's boat, and you know Wolverine's investigating, and it's, it's, I just kind of I don't really care. I don't I don't really like these all these Iraqi characters. You know the fact after the Ten of Swords, I don't know. So I I just if if put them all on Mars, you know they they terraformed Mars, put them all up there. I don't really care so much about any of these these characters. So with that, that is going to be comics for the week. With uh dc's legends of tomorrow season six episode 13 silence out of sonograms so sarah you know it picks up right from like the last issue she hears you know she's she's on the wave rider she hears like some singing whatever she grabs a knife bishop's there so it was like weird that we didn't see that in the last episode but then they revealed it in the, the trailer for this episode so she asked him what he's doing there. Like, how is he alive? So this is a the dude that kidnapped her and ended up making like a clone body and what, you know all that that stuff earlier this season. He says, uh, "You know, better question is like, you know, why is he there? He's a he's a last last generation last gen him or whatever. His data was corrupted when a certain someone blew up his lab, which was was Sarah. And he says he's like it's cool. He's like I forgive you, whatever." And she's like, you kidnapped me and manipulated me in every way possible, whatever. He starts to say that he also saved her, but then he cuts himself off. He's like, oh, no, no, you know, it's, it's not about me. He's like, you know, I, I've also, I've changed. And, you know, she doesn't really believe him or whatever. But he's like, you know, let me prove it to you. And he's like, you know, I'd love to be part of your ragtag, ragtag group or whatever. So I don't know how I'd feel about that, but... So uh, they put him in like the holding prism, like the hologram clear prism thing in the middle of that big room. Rory wakes up wondering like what happened. 
because uh, you know he was knocked out. Bishop comments that Kayla's plans for him were to cease to exist. You know she just wanted to kill him. Sarah ushers everyone out, so because you know Bishop just wants to get into everyone's heads and like manipulate them. So she's like everyone out except for Spooner, and she's like if he tries to escape, shoot him in the face. And she's like okay. So Ava then she says that you know she wants to get into the mind of an evil genius, so she really wants to try to you know interrogate him or whatever. But Nate comments that he was the one who created her. He's like, actually, both you and Sarah, because, you know, he cloned her and changed her DNA or whatever. Um, Then Ava says that, you know, she wants to try to connect with him so they can find out why he's there. So she wants to try to play him. Uh, John wakes up on the couch of his house. You know, his back wound is still sore. Zari's sitting there waiting. And, you know, she's like not really happy because she's like, okay, you know, what is going on? You need to tell me. He says, he's like, oh, I see the, the, the beast got me. And she's like, no, John, that was me. She's like, I stabbed the beast in the back and you woke up with a scar. And he's like, oh, I can explain. And she's like, oh, can you? Can you explain how you almost killed all of us? How you lied to us yet again? You know, he's, she's like, my brother's right. You're different, John. He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, how many other people do you know who drank from the bloody fountain of Imperium? So basically, he's still lying to her face. You know, he says that you know, he didn't drink from the power Imperium, but he's, he says that, you know, he's trying to get used to all this power. And then, you know, he's like, well, you know, maybe I should, you know, deal with it on my own. And she's like, yeah, maybe that's for the best. And she, like, walks away. So then Zari talks to Astra about John lying. You know, she wants her to make a truth serum or something like that. And Astra's like, I don't really, can't really do that. So she basically suggests, she's like, you know, why don't you talk to Spooner about what happened when they went to the, the fountain? So then Ava, she's talking to Bishop. He says, that, you know, Sarah could have had her pick of Ava's, but... She went with the extreme me or to the extreme means to make herself back to this one because you know there's all these other Avas on you know his planet thing or whatever, and you know she acts like she's just going to leave because you know, but she's really trying to play him. So he's like, oh no no I'm sorry whatever and you know, so then you know why is he here? He says that um, she and Sarah are basically the closest thing he has to family. And then she starts saying, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I get that. She's like, you know, you're a clone and, you know, she's a clone. And then he says that, um, you know, she's like, you are always my favorite of the Avas, you know, because she's, he like calls her like boss Ava or whatever. And, you know, he's surprised that she's getting married because that hinders productivity in productivity and model. And she's like, well, maybe that's why I'm having so much trouble planning the wedding, which she's not having trouble planning the wedding. So he offers a help. Then he says that he can also help Rory. You know, those babies in, in his head are getting hungry and he can make sure that they get the pop, proper nutrients. You know, otherwise they'll start eating his brain or whatever. So Sarah and Ava, they, they pour some like dark liquid from a blender into Rory's ear and I guess it's working. Uh, and Sarah wonders you know, if it's okay to leave Spooner alone with him. She also like tastes the, the baby juice or whatever they, they call it and she kind of liked it. Spooner has headphones on. Zari and Astra want to talk to her about what happened when John supposedly drank from the fountain. She goes over to vents and then she blanks out. She's like, it's like something's missing. And Astra wonders if something was erased. You know, did John do something? So Ava, meanwhile, goes back in with Bishop and he asks about Rory. Then he suggests that maybe he could help John. And Ava's like, no, it's like, John's fine. So, but John is like coughing in the sink. The evil John is there talking to him. Says that, you know, he doesn't have to suffer. He says that, you know, he's on his way to being clean. And, you know, then evil Dark John or whatever. He's like, then why haven't you dumped the flask? And, you know, he he picks it up. Evil John picks it up and threatens to pour it, like, just out on the table. But then John, like, rushes over and stops him. 
um, Gideon is trying to scan Bishop's genetic code, trying to figure out like you know what, where, what is, what's the deal with him. Ava um, hands her wedding binder over to Bishop, and he's he's like, oh, it's very thorough, you know, because there's like just so much information there. Astra does some magic on Spooner. Then they see that the fountain didn't want John because he wasn't worthy, so he took a sip of something, and then uh, Zari gets ready to leave and break up with her lying dumpster fire boyfriend. But Astra suggests that they find out like what did he actually drink. So the bishop and Ava, are, you know, they're making wedding plans. They're talking, and he, you know, he he's they're talking about the music. So then he suggests Lou Reed's "Perfect Day," and so he put, you know, because there's there's a bunch of records there. So he puts on the record, and then she's like, "How do you dance to this?" He's like, "Well, I can show you." And he's like, "This could be our father daughter dancing." Or so she goes through like the force real thing, and, and she's doing it. She's like, "Well, I don't know," and everything. And then he comments that. It's like, oh, you know, Sarah might not like seeing it because basically he knew that Sarah's watching in the cameras. So Ava goes over to the camera and turns it off. Um, Sarah then, you know, tells Nate, it's like, oh, Ava's still playing him, you know, but is is she really? Because then they dance and everything like that. And then uh, Ava walks out of the room and she like gasps in the hall and she's like, <gasps> and so it's like, wait, what is all that? It's like, did she feel a connection? Is she, you know, it's like, that was kind of weird. Sarah uh, comes up to her and congratulates her on her performance. Gideon gives a report saying that Bishop is 100% human. Ava says that she thinks that he does just want to get to know him, but Sarah th- says that maybe he's trying to use Ava to get to to them or whatever. Ava's like, you know, well maybe it's it's not about you, and you know maybe he's just lonely. So then we see John sitting in his living room. He's holding the flask. Zari comes in and he like he p- puts it away in his pocket, and she says she's checking in on him, and he asks if they're okay and she's like will you tell me and he's like yeah and you know he's like i love you and you know she tells him that he looks tired so she's like why don't you go upstairs and take a bath and then you know she's so she's gonna leave and come back but then it's like did she pick his pocket so then we see rory he's in pain um gary starts counting says rory's in labor it's earlier than expected but that's fine Rory asks if it's going to hurt and he's like panicking because you know he's not sure if he can be a single father to 48 babies but Gary's like, you know, it's like, oh, you're not alone. You have all the legends. And Rory's like, yeah, you can be the godfather. And, of course, Gary thinks that that's, like, the best thing ever. So Evil John talks to John. And John's just like, he's like, shut up or whatever. And he's like, you know, I have it under control. And Evil John's like, do you really believe that? And he's like, she sure doesn't. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, check your pocket, John. And he realized that she took the flask. So she brings the Astra and Spooner. Astra opens it and sniffs it. And she's like, it's blood. And she's like, in hell, it's what they call the Scarlet Lady. So John's tapped into some volatile and dark magic. If he doesn't stop using it, it's going to kill him. Then he storms in. He's like, where is it? Astra starts talking to him. And he tells her to stay out of this. Zari holds up the flask. She's like, it's this or me, John. Choose carefully. He snatches a flask out of her hand. And then it's like he kind of regrets it. He like struggles and he just like tosses it in a wastebasket. He says he's sorry like over and over again. Astra and Spooner leave them you know, to talk alone. He tells Zari that you know he thought he had control over it, but he doesn't. And she's like, well, is it done? And he's like, that's the last of it. He's like, I'm going to lock myself up in a manor and not come out until it's over. And she's like, well, I'm going to go with you. So Sarah's talking to Ava, and she says, she's like, oh, I should have sent you in alone. Ava's like, well, you know, it was my idea to interrogate him. She says that, you know, she never had a family who loved her, and you know, she's not sure if she's going to be able to love theirs. But Sarah's like, you're capable of love. She's like, it doesn't matter where you came from. It's like you made your, yourself who you are. 
And then, you know, Sarah looks at Ava's plan and she's like, oh, this cake looks good. You know, it's like nice choice in the topping. And Ava's like, oh, that was Bishop's idea. And then, you know, okay, so Sarah looks and it's like, oh, tapas for appetizers. You know, that, that's good. You know, get people talking when they're, you know, and she's like, again, that was Bishop's idea. And Sarah's like, it's like he's reading my mind. And then Ava looks at the computer and she's like, it's not like that. It is that. The readout says that 6% of his DNA is Sarah. So Sarah's like, what does that mean? So Bishop says a, a, a few words, you know, he has like some phrases, and then there's a system override. So Gideon awaits his command, Captain. So first he says to shut down the barrier, to like the force field. Then he grabs Spooner's gun that she happened to leave laying there on, on a table, and he walks out. So with Sarah's DNA, he can control Gideon. Gary is pushing Rory in a chair. Nate sees him and goes to tell Sarah and Ava, because you know, he's in labor now, they say see Bishop on a camera. He tells Gideon to lock down the hallway. Sarah rushes out uh, so she can confront him and tells him he's not getting Rory unless he gets through her. And they both know that that's not happening. So he's like, well, I just want to help him. And she's like, then, you know, why should we even trust you? And he says, because I am you. He's, so they, they start fighting in the hall. And the fight, I mean, normally the fights in the show are really good, but the way it was choreographed and everything, it's, it's like, are they fighting or are they dancing? Because it's almost like they're not going at full speed. And there's just a lot of, like, moving and then, like, blocking. And it's just, I don't know. Rory starts ripping his hair out because, you know, it's just painful and everything like that. Bishop ends up shooting Sarah and then goes into the delivery room. Sarah gets up and she can't get in the door for some reason. So if if Bishop is using her DNA to command Gideon to do whatever, can't she undo those same commands because there's more of her DNA in her. I don't know. It's just weird. Bishop says the babies are breached, so they're supposed to go through his ear, but Bishop says that they're going to have to go through Rory's nose. So one comes out, and it's like they're almost the size of an egg. They're like really big. And and it's like, wait, what is Bishop doing? Is he Does he want these eggs for himself? Is he going to like try to pull something here? Spooner comes in with a bigger gun, and she's about to shoot. But then uh, Bishop wheels out a tray. He's like, meet the newest legends. So they all look at the baby. Like Ava's taking pictures. Sarah says that as much as it pains her to say, say this, she's like, thank you. And Bishop, you know, he, he says he didn't really do anything. He says they can thank him by taking him back to his cell. So he says that he gets it. He messed up. He's been alone for so long that he forgot what it means to be a friend or part of a family. So he wants to earn their trust. But he did take some little device for the medical room. So it's like, okay, what did he pick up? So John's babbling. Zari says that it might not feel like it, but this could be a new beginning. He says that she deserves someone better than it has been. But she's like, you know, I spent my whole life trying to be someone else. She's like, with you, I can just be myself. So she's like, I, you know, she loves him, not his magic. And, you know, he says that he's told her so many lies. You know, she needs the truth. He says that, you know, he doesn't know who he is without magic, and he just wants to get through all of this. And he's like, you know, if she'll put up with him, he wants to do it with her. And then she goes to get him a cup of tea. But, you know, he's going to try to explain how to make it, but she's going to go have Gideon make it because, you know, she's not going to make it herself. So then uh, you hear, greetings, Mr. Constantine. So Bishop, like, talks to him on a wave right. He's like, we have a lot in common if you'll trust me. And he's like, you ever notice how people romanticize humility? He's like, it's ironic since it's power that, that changes the world. And he's like, I'll help you get your power back if, you know, 
or if he does one, but then John, so he's like, he was talking to him on a comm. I forgot to mention it. So that's what he took from, from Rory. John just like cuts him off, takes out like the, the comm from his ear and he just like throws it down or whatever. Then evil John um, up, appears and he's like, what, you thought I just vanished? Poof. And John says that, you know, he, he's just his own personal demon. He should have faced him a long time ago. Evil John asks him, you know, what the bishop bloke wanted. And he's like, I don't care. He's like, I'm done with him. Evil John laughs and then uh, makes John slam his head against the table. And then he like, it's a, he looks like his nose is broke or something like that. And then he slams him across the room against like a bookshelf. There's like blood. He punches him again and again. And then he throws him and uh, across the room. And Evil John takes the comm out of the trash. And, you know, he's like, he says it's he's not just a side effect. He is him. And then he takes the flask out of the garbage too. So Gary comes in to check on a proud papa, and then he smells what Sarah's drinking, and because she's still drinking the, the pregnancy juice thing. And Gary's like, he, he's like, oh, necreons ne use ginger to induce labor. And she's like, what? So it's like, well, you know, why would Bishop want to induce labor? And so he didn't want the babies. And then they noticed that the common com is missing, so he could be talking to anyone. So then uh, we see a bloody John. He crawls to the flask and he drinks. And then Evil John puts it in his pocket and he talks to Bishop. He's like, what were you saying about getting my power back? So we'll have to see what's going to happen. So, I mean, it was an okay episode, but yeah, there's just, there's just kind of a, a bit going on. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Bishop and, and with John. So those are the big unknowns. Then with Stargirl, Season 2, Episode 3, Summer School, Chapter 3, so it starts off 11 years ago. We see like a bunch of newspaper clippings and frames. Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy defeat Dr. Weird, which is W-E-E-R-D. Uh, Christmas time, picture to JSA headline, Star Spangled Kid has grown up. Enter Starman. There's like Christmas mugs on, on a shelf. Pat's working in his car. Um, this guy, Johnny, comes in. He's wearing this green suit. He talks about being benched. And Pat asks if he's been asked to stay behind, too. Johnny says, he's like, I'm not even a sidekick. He's like, you know, I'm a JSA charity case. He takes out the pen, so the Thunderbolt pen, which if you know from the comics, and we've seen it, uh, Courtney has a pen in her room. So Pat's going to get eggnog, and then Wildcat comes in. He says, ISA got Solomon. They have Solomon Grundy now. So Pat's excited. He's like, yeah, we can go as backup. But then Wildcat says that only Johnny is going. He's like, Sylvester, who's Starman, insisted. And then when uh, Pat looks disappointed, Wildcat's like, he's like, hey, you have a kid to look out for. He's like, nothing's more important. So then we see Mike, Pat's kid, doing a paper route. It's weird because as he's throwing the papers on people's porches, some are like really good shots. Others are like going to bird bath or on someone's roof or whatever. Then there's these three bullies that are waiting for him. And he's like, oh, did you just set your alarms to bully me or whatever? So it's like they want his paper route money. But it's like realistically, he wouldn't make money all the time. That just seems silly. Anyways, so Pat made breakfast, and then they, they're talking about the shade. Barbara suggests that they bring in Stripe, but Courtney's Courtney is kind of getting all, all hoity-toity, like, like, oh, mom, that's ridiculous. She's like, you know, Stripe's is as subtle as a tank or whatever. And uh, Mike comes in, and his shirt's a little torn. It's like they don't even notice. So then he goes upstairs. His boss calls or something like that. He has, like, a new customer. And uh, – First, he's like, why don't you get Joaquin or Joaquin to, to do it or something like that? So he tries writing down a new address, but the pen's not working. So then 
guess what? He goes into Courtney's room. He grabs a thunderbolt, thunderbolt pen or whatever from her desk, and he starts writing. And he sits and he says, "He's like, I wish it was. I was a superhero." Uh, but and it's weird because he's like he's still holding a pen. He's like, "What is like his obsession with this pen now?" So then it must be the next day because he's on his paper route again. He noticed a, a jogger has a sweatshirt that says "So Cool" on it, and then there's like a, a house he goes by. It has a, a sign that says "Vote for So Cool." Um, there's a street corner is like So Cool Avenue, and then uh, looking at the he's as he's you know riding his bike, he's looking at a street sign. He hits some rocks or whatever, it's like some rubble that's like in the sidewalk goes flying off his bike, and as he he gets up. He grabs a paper, and then for some reason, I don't know if he had it before, but when he gets up and grabs a paper, he has a pen in his hand. For, it's like, why is he still holding this pen? Like, whatever. The headline is, so cool, and he reads it out loud, and then purple lightning comes out of the pen. Woohoo! And Mike's like, who the heck are you? He's like, your new best friend. He's like, you just don't know it yet. So Mike asks him what's going on. So the, the this is Thunderbolt. He tells him how... He's um, in control of him. He's like, he's glad to be back in action. And Mike, he, the reason he came out, he said the, the magic word. It's not so cool. It's a single word, word S-O-K-E-W-L, but it's pronounced so cool. But what's weird is that there's like no one around the streets to see like this flying purple dude, you know, just hovering around in the streets or whatever. So he tells Mike that he's a genie and he can have as many wishes as he wants. Um, Mike says that he's kind of thirsty, would like some water. So then a big gush of water just like falls on top of him. So then Thunderbolt's like, rule number one, you have to be specific. So this lady uh, comes with a stroller and, and Thunderbolt hides or whatever because he says, you know, some people would freak out, whatever. So then Mike wishes that he was taller. So he starts like, he opens his eyes and he's standing on a bench. Then Thunderbolt says again, you know, he has to be specific. So he tells them that he can't wish for the same thing twice. And other rules is that you can't wish for someone to die, and you can't wish for someone to come back from the dead. So then at the garage, uh, Rick is late. Pat tells them about the shade. He's going by a new name now, now and posing as an antique dealer. Pat says that you know he's a bit of an antique himself because there's pictures of him that go back to the 1800s. His powers are shadows. He can manipulate them. He can travel through darkness. Uh, he had a falling out with the ISA after defeating the JSA, but and he's just basically he's bad news. So Pat says that you know he watched him kill Doctor Midnight, and then Beth's like, "So Doctor Midnight's the only one we haven't got justice for." She's like, "We have to," and Rick's like, "Well, you know, how do you punch a shadow?" And Pat's like, "Well, you know, he's like, I saw Starman incapacitate him once." So and then they're like, "Well, what do we do with him after?" And Pat's like, "I don't know yet," because like you know, if they capture him, where, where are they going to put him? So Barbara's looking uh, through storage at like the gambler stuff or whatever, and then. Like a top hat falls behind her, and then Mr. Swift, the shade, he appears behind her like he scares her. And he says that her colleague told him where he was, so he thought that they could go on a treasure hunt together. And she's like, you're trespassing. He's like, oh, but it's fun to break the rules. And then uh, he, so she's she's like kind of like looking for her phone, and he's like, oh, are you looking for this? You know, you dropped it when he startled her, but it's like, okay, no, she didn't. And so she she takes her phone and she opens it and she notices it's dead. So something happened. And then uh, so the shade, Tom Swift, whatever, he's like looking around and he finds this box. So that must be what he wants. He opens it and it's empty. And he asks if he can keep the box. And she's like, well, you know, I don't know because it's part of the Zurich collection. Then he gets a little upset. The lights go out and then he's gone. 
So at summer school, Yolanda's kind of like zoning out. Then she gets like a sharp pain in her head, like this massive headache, whatever. Um, that long-haired dude, that angry dude, I forgot what his name was, he kind of like, he looks back as they're talking. So I don't know if he's hearing what they're saying or whatever, but, you know, because they're talking about like how are they going to stop the shade. And then the teacher calls an answer, you know, because he's, he's, you know, during his lecture, Courtney's able to answer like in her own style, you know, like in her own words or whatever. And then she tells Yolanda, she's like, you know, it turns out if you read the book, you know, history really isn't that hard. So Mike is still on his paper route. <laughs> it's like, this is like the longest paper route ever. And uh, the three bullies are trying to get uh, three boxes of cookies from this Girl Scout. Then Mike says that he wishes he could you know, make them stop. So then stop signs fall from the sky in front of them. Thunderbolt says that he can't stop until they do. So they look up and there's like a bunch of stop signs just like floating in the air. Courtney and Yolanda are walking home, so school must be over. And Mike's still on his paper route. Then they see a stop sign and they see Mike and he, he's holding the pen up still. And he's like, guess who's the newest member to Justice Society of America? And then the Thunderbolt reveals himself. So at the garage, Pat is upset that Courtney didn't tell him about the pen. Mike um, is explaining the wishes, whatever. And Pat says, no more wishes. And Thunderbolt, he's, he's like, he's as close to a living monkey's paw as you can get. Then he asks Mike for the pen, but Mike doesn't want to give, give it up. And Pat says, you know, the Thunderbolt is too unpredictable. So he gives uh, Pat the pen, but then shoom, it appears back in Mike's hand. So Mike's kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. So then, you know, Pat tries taking it again and the same thing happens. So he says he wants to speak to him alone. And then uh, he wants to talk to uh, Thunderbolt. So he comes out. He ad admires Stripe. He says Starman would have been proud. He says he still remembers a smile on Johnny's face when he made his last wish. And Pat asks him what that last wish was. And he said that I would find a new friend. And then Pat's like, well, why Mike? And Thunderbolt says that he, Pat knows. He's like, you know, I can only pick someone like me, someone who feels all alone. And Pat's like, is that really how Mike feels? And he's like, yeah. So Pat's like, okay. Courtney goes to talk to Mike outside, and he asks if he's in. She's like, well, it's not up to me. And he's like, why not? It's like, you're like the leader. and But she's like, but Pat's your father. So they all go in, whatever to say they voted. Pat says that Thunderbolt is dangerous. He didn't want any of them to be part of JSA. Mike and Thunderbolt are their best chance of finding out who the Shade is. So Pat agrees that he can help them find the Shade, and that's it. Uh, so knowing how the wishes can backfire, they need to come up with a foolproof plan. So they get like a, like a whiteboard and they're writing out like how to word this like specifically and accurately, whatever. So they come up with this really long wish about finding where the shade is. Um, Thunderbolt makes a purple flame appear on a map because there's a map lying on a table behind them. And it's uh, at William Zarek's old house, the wizard. So uh, Pat tells Mike that he's staying at the, at the garage and, and he's like, Mikey Thunder riding the pine or whatever. So, you know, Mike wanted to go with, but Pat's like, you're staying here. Uh, and, oh, it's because Mike said that, you know, Mikey Thunder, that could be his name or something like that. So Barbara talks to Pat about their plans, and uh, the team is all in costume. So they're going to restrain him like Starman did, you know, and then contain him. So Mike's sitting in the garage, picks up his pen, then he puts it down. He looks at the whiteboard with all the writing, picks up the pen. Then he flips over the whiteboard and starts writing a new wish. So the JSA walks up to the Zarek house. Um... The staff, they use the staff to like zap the lock, or whatever, and then they enter. They go into this dining room. The shade's sitting there, like he's waiting there. 
you know, he's having tea. There's like candles on the table. He, he's like, oh, I hope I have enough biscuits or whatever. He's like, the tea is brewed just right. Pat asks him, what is, what is he doing in Blue Valley? And, he, and he's like, oh, and by the way, I knew your car was a 1967 Jack because, you know, he said it was a 1965 or something like that. And then, then Shay's like, oh, same sidekick, whatever, different star-spangled kid. So he's, he says he wants to do this a nice way. You know, he wants them all to sit. But Beth says, he's like, you murdered Dr. Midnight. He's like, you don't deserve nice. And Shay's like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. He's like, now sit. So they say that they're not going to let him hurt their town. And he's like, well, why would I do that? And Stargirl's like, well, you were part of the ISA. And Shade says that their interests aligned for a moment, but Birds of Feather, they were not. So they, were, um, they weren't friends of his. And Icicle was just a lunatic, lunatic. He says he doesn't have dark designs for Blue Valley. So he's just like, you know, stay out of my way and you won't get hurt. Stargirl's like, well, why are you there? And he says, well, not to be coy, it's just better if you don't know. And then he and he's like, you know, please try to tea. Mike comes in and then he asks Thunderbolt to zap. You know, he does his whatever thing. Shadows come out, grab Thunderbolt, and then zaps him back into the pen. Mike gets, like, thrown back, so he's kind of, like, out. Uh, he uses a shadow to pin Stargirl against the wall, knocks the others aside. Then he says that he'll say it for the last time. Stay out of my way. So the shadows overtake him, and then he, he's gone. So he, like, he teleported out of there or whatever. So Yolanda talks to Mike because you know, he's standing on the porch. She asks if he's okay, and he's like, no, not really. He's like, I, th I thought I'd help, but I blew it. And she asks if he ever feels bad about what happened with Icicle, you know, about killing him. And he's like, well, I, you know, I was just driving fast. So basically it was just an accident. And he's like, I I'm not a hero. Then Sargo comes out and says, you know, they've looked everywhere, but Shade's gone. So Barbara and Pat talk to Mike and Courtney. Um, he says he knows that he should have listened, but, and then Barbara's like, but you didn't. Courtney says that, she's like, well, I didn't either in the beginning. And, you know, this is the beginning for Mike. You know, they, they thought that they were ready for the shade, but they weren't. Mike says that he did mess up. He just wished the pen was in better hands. And then it disappears. So then we see Jakeem, his friend, is playing video game. His sister tells him that mom said to take out the trash. He's like, but I got the high score. And she, his sister's like, on a one-player game? She's like, get some from... <laughs> She's like, get some friends that aren't Pac-Man and Luigi. <laughs> and she calls him a loser. And then, then he hears, yoo-hoo, and, and like the pen is on his desk, and there's like laughter. So Jakeem, so poor Mike. Jakeem's going to be like new member at a, at a JSA, but not Mike. So then Barbara asks Pat if Mike's okay. Pat tells her, you know, Thunderbolt said it chose Mike because he felt so alone. And she says that, you know, they're all part of the team, even though they don't have costumes or code name. Then she says that she thinks they found something. Uh, the box that Swift took originally contained a diamond and, you know, maybe like a magic prop or something like that. And Pat's like, that's no, no prop. It's the black diamond, something very, very bad. Oh, and as far as, I, I don't know if I mentioned before, but Jakeem, him and uh, what little I know of JSA, and this is mostly from a Jeff Johns run recently, or whatever, not recently, but uh, Jakeem was, he wasn't Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder was original, but Jakeem became like the new master of Thunderbolt, whatever. So it's true to the comics. Uh, Beth is trying to reboot Chuck still. You know, she closes the laptop in frustrations. You know, then she like kind of snaps at Rick or whatever. She's like, they'll never get Chuck back and everything is falling apart. And Rick's like, you know, you can talk to me. He was like, you know, pretend I'm Chuck. And she's like, I think my parents might be getting divorced. She's like, I found some papers. And Rick's like, papers are just papers. She's like, you should talk to them. 
He's like, I would talk to mine if I could. And then you hear some static. Hello, it's Chuck. So she puts on the goggles and he's like, you need to listen, whoever you are. She's like, you are in danger. And and basically that's it. Um, that's all we hear. And then Rick's like, what what it say? You know, whatever. And she tells Rick that he said Eclipso is here. So then on top of the clock tower in the town, we see the shade standing. He opens a box and he says he's going to kill those children. So is he talking about Eclipso? Could be. So, I, you know, this is a good show. And uh, I just like it. You know, it's it's a little uh, it's a little campy at times, you know, a little wholesome. But I, I think that that really fits in with like the nature of the JSA, you know, and like the old timiness or whatever. So I, I just I really like the what the show is and what it's about. With uh, What If, Season 1, Episode 3, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes. Uh, this is a weird episode in a way. I mean, not so much. I just, it was kind of like a just straightforward story, which is good. And it does, you know, kind of flip everything on its side, which is what the, the point of the show is supposed to be. Like, you know, showing how the slightest thing could cause differences or whatever. I don't know. It just, it didn't feel, even though it's it's hardcore things happen it didn't feel like i don't really know how to describe it which i i'm failing as my job you know in in this but i feel like it didn't really i I don't i think what i'm doing is is i can't speak is i'm thinking back to like the the various comic book stories and how you know we get these big stories and everything like that i think my what my problem is the cause of all the deaths, there's a lot of deaths in this episode, and uh, the what's responsible for it. I'm like, and then I'm trying to think about. Okay, this is like heavily rooted in like the MCU, like MCU type characters. I'm trying to think is like, so this character is doing all of this. So spoiler, obviously, I'm going to talk about like what happens this episode. So I don't know. I, I think that might be my big problem that's causing me my lack of whatever enunciation or communication or. So it starts out on a Monday, and we see Fury in his car with Black Widow. Tony Stark's eating donuts on top of the donut shop. So he's, you know, he's about to go recruit her. He tells um, Fury, you know, he, they're sitting at a table. He doesn't want to join his team. You know, Tony's been doing things his own way, and he's got like, you know, all this like stuff on his neck, you know, whatever it's extremis or I don't know. So uh, Fury tells Natasha to hit him. So she injects him with. He's like, "What's that?" Whatever. So supposedly um, she injects him with lithium dioxide. It's not a cure, but it'll abate the symptoms but then he starts convulsing and he falls over and natasha checks him she's like he's dead so uh just kind of like that like right away iron man is dead (laughs) he's dead uh and then uh what we're told is you know because the watcher does his regular things that well three stories unfolded within a week or something like that uh so then uh next we have uh, on Tuesday, we see Mjolnir in the crater. So Coulson, you know, Clark Gregg is doing the voice. And uh, he calls Fury. He tells, you know, Fury tells him to set up a perimeter. We see Frank Grillo, you know, Crossbones and S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are escorting Natasha. They're going to take her to Pierce for questioning about Stark's murder. So they think that she killed, which is stupid. You know, they, but I guess because she must have had the injector, the syringe thing. And since she was supposed to inject him with it, so they think maybe she tampered with it or whatever. Then uh, Fury talks to her alone for a second before you know they, they take her away. He says that he knows it wasn't her, but you know, uh, Shield protocols 
or shield has protocol so like her his hands are tied and he says that you know someone inside a shield compromised the antidote and he knows you know he knows that she can escape so he gives her like the big syringe thing which like they don't even notice it when she's walking with it you know her hands are cuffed behind her 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 back and you know she's got this big huge syringe thing so he needs to put someone on the outside to find out who did it so she's putting this big transport truck and then inside she jokes about and to hear things i don't think i need to look hang on let me look this up okay so uh scarlett johansson is not doing the voice and it almost seemed fitting because i was wondering it's like is she gonna really do the voice uh, of, of black widow in this because you know they got a lot of the other uh actors you know are, are reprising their roles and everything uh you know they even have michael douglas and uh they have a um, you know Sam Jackson's in, in this. You, got, you know I already mentioned <laughs> Clark Gregg. Um, I realize I, I call him Frank Grillo. That's the actor. He plays Brock Rumlow. So <laughs> it's not Frank Grillo. Uh, but Jeremy Renner's in this. Mark Ruffalo, Tom Hiddleston. So it, it, they even got Jamie Alexander. But Scarlet Witch is by is played by Lake Bell and um carol danvers I'm, I'm spoiling all these people are under is alexandra daniels so they didn't get everyone but they they got a lot of the the actors but that's the thing is it's uh you know black widow was, you know was a good job and everything but there's some times where it's like it's clearly not scarlett johansson and i don't know if they should try to mimic that but i almost feel like they kind of i don't know anyways whatever so she's joking about like how serious everyone in this big transport truck are and then uh, one guy, sure, she tells one guy, she's like, can you hold this for me? And she hands over handcuffs, and he's like, sure. And then she's like, what? So they start fighting. Uh, Rumlow is in the, the front with, with the driver, and he's, he's like, I never understood what, what he saw in her, you know, what fury, whatever. And then he finally hears, like, all this, like, punching in the back. So he stops the truck, you know, pull over, and he goes in the back, opens the door, and she's gone. So then in Puerto Antiguo, New Mexico, there's a perimeter on Mjolnir, just like in uh, Thor. Fury and Hawkeye are standing looking at it. Someone like zooms in and uh, takes out some guards. Fury comments about the thunder. Then, you know, no one can lift the hammer. It starts raining. Coulson notices that a man is down outside. So then Fury says, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst, whatever. Coulson uh, sees Thor. <laughs> Barton uh, gets into position, take the big guy down. Coulson... Uh, it, so it's kind of weird, like Coulson's like fascination, because he he's like, oh, he was gorgeous, you know. He's talking about like his hair and everything like that, and like he's just really admiring like Thor, which this seemed a little out of character for for Coulson. Um, but then like Hawkeye even comments, he's like, yeah, Coulson was right about his, you know his hair or something like that. So Thor is about to to grab the hammer. Uh, Mjolnir and then gets shot by an arrow and Fury is like he's like he told Hawkeye I told you to stand down Clint's like it wasn't me or whatever so he says that he didn't shoot or something like that soldiers all trained their gun on Clint so they, they think he murdered this dude so now, then we see Clint in a jail and he's like talking to himself he's like really upset or whatever and he's like you know I don't miss I don't slip or something like that so then Coulson asks Fury about the intruder and Fury says that you know he's dead according to his his blood he was like almost a thousand years old and he's not of this this world and i i think um was it at this point at one point uh colson even he's like yeah the hair smells like lavender or something like that so then colson says that you know first stark and now muscle beach he's like you know that's two high value shield agents killed by their own agents inside of 24 hours 
So Fury goes in to talk to Barton, and you know, because he's sitting on the floor, just like crouched up, and then he like falls over. So Fury calls for a medic, whatever, and and Coulson asks some guy, he's like, Who, "Who'd you let in there?" And they're like, "No one," or whatever. So somehow Barton's dead. Oh, so now, okay, this is the point. Then after that, they go to the morgue. Coulson um, says they're they're running like a talk screen to see if there was a cyanide castle. Fury says that you know Barton had a wife and kids. That, you know, if he was gonna go, he, he would. It wouldn't be willingly. Then Fury thinks that he was murdered, uh, probably by the same person who killed Stark. So then Wednesday, we're at Culver City or Culver University, Virginia. Natasha is there. She finds Doctor Ross, Betty, and um, so Betty assumes that she's there to talk about Bruce. Uh, she starts walking away, but then Natasha says that she's there about Tony Stark. That she thinks he was murdered. So she gives Betty the injector, the syringe thing, and she says that you know she's an expert in, in tactile application of cellular biology. Betty's like, well, there's other in the field. You know, why come to me? And Natasha says that she needs to keep it off shields radar. And she seems to have some experience in that department. So inside Betty's lab, there's no trace of lethal pathogens in the injector. So whatever killed Stark, it wasn't biological. The antidote didn't even make it out of the syringe. She says it looks like a tiny projectile of, of some kind was fired from the needle. Natasha, you know, she's about to go or whatever. She sees like a hat and coat for like a pizza place. And she's like, oh, do, do you have a side job? And Betty, you know, she's like, uh, no, she's like that. A student must have left it there. And Natasha just kind of chuckles. Fury calls her and he tells her that Barton's dead. And it kind of hits her. He's like, I know, you know, what he meant to you, you know, how close you were or whatever. And she's just like, who do I kill? And Fury's like, it looks like that uh, Clint and Stark's murders were connected to the Avengers initiative. So the killers are going after the candidates. And she's like, well, who else is on the list? And he's like, Bruce Banner and you. And he tells her that, you know, she needs to go to ground, but first find Banner. And she's like, kind of looks at this one door, like in the lab. She's like, funny thing, boss. I think I already have. So Natasha moves towards the door and Betty tries stopping her. And she's like, don't make me move you or something like that. And, you know, and then Bruce comes out. He's like, hey, whatever, you know, Mark Ruffalo fashion. Then, like, Natasha's looking out the window. She's like, we need to go now. And you can hear, like, helicopters are coming. So Coulson uh, went out for a coffee run. Outside the gates, there's, like, a massive surge of energy. So it's a, the Bifrost Bridge. There's a huge Asgardian army led by Loki. Uh, soldiers, you know, shields, whatever agents, fly out or drive, drive out to them. Fury asks Loki if he's looking for directions, and Loki starts introducing himself, but then Fury's phone keeps ringing, like interrupting him. Natasha's trying to call him. There's like several helicopters and soldiers uh, led by Thunder Thunderbolt Ross are at the university. So Natasha's like, uh, there's kind of a problem here. And, you know, Loki tells Fury that he's there for vengeance. So Natasha introduces herself as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's like, I have Bruce Banner in custody, so you need to stand down. And then a sniper shoots Bruce. It kind of looked like in his shoulder or something like that. And like Ross is like, who the hell opened fire or whatever. And Bruce tells her, he's like, I, I think, uh, you know, you might be better off getting out of here because he's about to turn into the Hulk. So he like jumps out of like the, the glass. It was just like in a movie, like there's like this glass bridge thing or whatever. So he like jumps out of there. They open fire. Betty tries running to her dad because he's like shooting with a pistol. It's like, what is this pistol going to do? She's like, dad, stop. And Natasha like grabs her. And Betty's like, no, he'll listen to me. It's, you know, he's my father. Natasha's like, you know, he wasn't the one who started this. Then Hulk starts like getting big, like almost like he's inflating up. And then he just blows up. And Betty's shocked. She's like, he can't die. 
he can't he can't die she's just like kind of in shock i'm back with a uh loki and that he opens like the the box thing with this like ice blaster whatever that thing is and he's like shooting agents there's like you know stream of ice going out uh fury finally yells uh declaring war and this planet won't bring your prince back and sif stop loki she's like he's right you know the all father would would want us to listen so fury says that they have the same enemy uh the person who killed his brother also killed two of his people so they should be working together and loki's like we're not allies and fury says then then let us help you he's like you know when we find your brother's killer you'll get your pound of flesh and you know so loki finally agrees he's like you and he looks at the sun where he's like you have the until the next rise of midgard sun or we'll reduce this planet to ash and ice which is kind of weird weird combination so then uh, in like Virginia Public Library, Black Widow's uh, trying to get Coulson's, she's talking to him on the phone. She's trying to get his password so she can get into the Avengers Initiative files, but she can't get in with, he's like, why do you need my password? And she's like, well, I can't get in because I'm locked out of the system and I'm wanted for murder. So it's like Coulson really doesn't want to tell her his password. And then, then she's like, you know, Clint was my friend too. So Coulson sighs. He's like, hashtag Steve, 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 I heart Steve 0704 and she's like wow she's like that's a good one so it's like yeah colson was a big fan of captain america i'm assuming that's steve but the heart heart i heart steve i don't it seems weird uh so then she notices a, a woman who died two years ago accessed the database she's like that's not right and she hears someone in the library like she's like kind of looking she hears something and then she stands up um, then she has her duke so she's like you won't win not against shield not against me so then whoever it is rushes at her knocks her down she tried calling fury but you know her phone got knocked out of his phone out of her hand and then it just goes to the voicemail that she's still fighting and she yells out fury it's hope it's all about hope and so if you look at that it's like okay what does that mean but if you have the closed captioning on then you'll notice that when she's saying it's hope it's all about hope hope was capitalized so who is hope we should know we'll find out fury listens to a message in a diner surrounded by agents you know it's like they have four hours until sun up he's like you know listens to the message the record recording over and over again um colson tells him that you know loki is the reason that he set up the program you know there's there's one name left it's furies but nick's like he's like no i'm not the only avenger left so he goes in his car he picks up, up the the Captain Marvel beeper, and you know he repeats what Black Widow says, and then he leaves to go talk to someone. So there's a destroyer standing guard. So Fury tells he's like, tell tell you, um, I'm here to see your boss or whatever like that. Um, then on Thursday in San Francisco, uh, at a cemetery, we see the grow the grave of Hope Van Dyne, beloved daughter, agent of Shield. So Nick's there, and then. Um, he says, well, if it isn't Hank Pym, 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 I say Pym still. If it isn't Hank Pym, there's a voice from the shadow. He's like, the balls you have to come here, stand over her grave. So it looks like he's not an Ant-Man suit. He's like, he's in the yellow jacket suit. And he's like, she died because S.H.I.E.L.D. killed her. And he's like, he died because of you. And Fury calmly says, Agent Hope Van Dyde was killed on a mission outside Odessa, Ukraine. Hank's helmet like opens up and we see he looks pretty crazed and he's like, agent, she was my daughter, my little girl. She missed her mother and you exploited that. And Nick's like, her mother was an agent. 
and Fury asked if her, her death gave him permission to start killing people. Hank says that he wanted to make Nick hurt. And, you know, then there's like flashbacks to the Avengers getting killed. So, and he says that he killed Goldilocks because Fury would have recruited him in a heartbeat. Then he, uh, he says that Fury's death will be a triumph or something like that. So he shrinks down and he starts to attack Nick, but Nick manages to swat him away. So they're fighting. Uh, then Nick does like this pretty crazy flip over him. It's like, wait, how's he doing that? Uh, Hank's like, you're pretty spry for a guy with a corner office. So there's more fighting. Hank charges at, at Fury again, and then he just punches him straight on as he jumps at him. So he goes flying again. Hank says that um, he's like, you never cared about hope. And Fury's like, he's like, I don't give a damn about any of them. So Hank tries attacking and firing on Nick. And then uh, he starts, starts like teleporting away, like toying with Hank. Like he's like in, in back of him, in front of him, whatever. And then Hank is surrounded by a whole bunch of Nicks. And then he gets frozen in ice. And then all the Nicks start laughing. How? Because it's really Loki. Uh, and, and, and then uh, Nick explains to Hank, he's like, shield is people. You know, people willing to save the world from men like you. So then uh, Nick tells Loki, he's like, you know, He's like, get your hammer and get off my planet or whatever. And Loki's like, he's like, you know, we, we should be allies. He's like, you know, I just had an idea. And, you know, he's like, I was th I'm thinking I just might extend my stay on Midgard. So then on Friday, United Nations, uh, New York City, Loki walks up to address everyone. He announces that in just one day time, the nations have put aside their differences to agree to go under his command. And he says that, you know, they were made to be ruled. It's like their destinies or whatever. And uh, so he's come to help them, you know, fulfill this destiny. And then you see there's like, you know, Asgardian ships like all over. So then Coulson says, you know, the Avengers fell before they had a chance to rise. But Fury says, you know, they were meant to be more than a team. They were the affirmation of humanity's need to believe that in our darkest hour, we will find our heroes. So he believes that hope never dies as long as someone keeps their eye on the bigger picture. So he wipes off some ice, whatever thing, and you see Captain America's shield. He's like, welcome back, Captain. Captain America's also there. So I don't know if he's talking to her or Captain America. And she's like, so where's the fight? And that's where the episode ends. So we could potentially get like a sequel. Like, you know, I don't know if I think they're they're talking about doing that at some point. But uh, yeah, so um, all the Avengers are, are dead except for, yeah, Captain Marvel and then we have well captain america's not dead yet so i mean it was a good episode so again i my problem as i was kind of hinting at in the beginning because i didn't want to you know spoil it right away is it was it was hank pym that killed everyone and maybe because they were weren't expecting it and it was just kind of like out of nowhere or whatever but it just seemed weird that crazy hank pym killed the avengers okay i mean it could happen i mean that's the, the beauty of what if so all right Okay, then Titans, Season 3, Episode 5, Lazarus. So you know what that might mean. So we see Jason catching his breath in the woods, like by a lake, whatever. Crane walks up and tells him, he's like, buck up, Snowflake. And Jason's upset with what happened. He's like, you know, we barely made it out of there. Crane says that he's like, well, we won. And Jason's like, he won't stop, not after Hawk. And, you know, he's like, Dick knows everything now. He's like, we're effed. And then Jason starts demanding to know, he's like, what's the plan? What's, you know, and Crane's like, you're scared of Dick. He's like, use that. And Jason's like, I should just kill you now. And Crane says, you know, he's like, the plan is simple. He's like, immerse Gotham in a world of fear and terror where there's no one, you know, to protect them. And then when they feel that there's no, no help or no hope, they'll swoop in and be the answer to their fear. So Crane suggests that they get 
um, Jason a hit of his happy juice and get underway. So he takes a hit from his inhaler or whatever, and his eyes glow for a second. And then it cuts back three months ago. So it's like, okay, how did Jason get here? Like, what, what's the deal? That's what this whole episode's about. So we see Jason in costume, and uh, he's, like, freaking out in a manner. He hears, like, laughter, and people are, like, saying his name. It's like, almost like, uh, you know, man and woman are, are Jason, Jason, whatever. And then uh, someone pulls a gun and, like, shoots him, and he, like, falls on his bed. Then there's a woman there. It's like, who's this woman? And it's Donna. And she's like, don't go. You still have time, Jason. Then Bruce is, like, waking him up. He's like, Jason, Jason. What? he tells me, he's like, you're safe, you're home. And Jason's like, oh, I'm fine, whatever. And Bruce is like, you were screaming. Then uh, he says that he has to meet someone in the city. And Bruce says that, uh, he's like, this has been happening a lot. He says, you know, where's Jason going? You know, who's he meeting with? And he's he asks if he's okay. And Jason's like, you shouldn't ask people if they're okay. You're not good at it. So then uh, Bruce starts walking out. And then Jason kind of sort of apologizes. He's like, it's, it's just dreams. Like, people have them. And Bruce tells Jason he wants him to see an old friend of his, Dr. Leslie Tompkins. And Jason's like, he's a little skeptical. He's like, what kind of doctor is she? And he's like, a psychologist. Jason scoffs. He's like, you want to send me to a shrink? And Bruce is like, she's more than just a psychologist. He's like, she knows everything about me. She understands the work that we do. And Jason says that he's like, I've done my time with shrinks. He's like, it's not going to happen. And Bruce just says, no more Robin until you see her. And Jason's like, please don't do this. He's like, I'm fine. And Bruce is like, until I hear that from her, you're shut down. So then Jason goes to the coffee shop and he meets with uh, this someone named Molly. And you know she's at a laptop. He's, you know they talk a little bit. And he's like, what are you working on? So there's like this like missing sign. You know some kid Diego Martinez from the shelter went missing. Rumor is Joker's got a guy, some dude like on the street corner taking in strays. Uh, you know Diego is poor and brown, so the cops aren't going to care that he's missing. Jason sees like, oh, Batman will take care of him. And she's like, Batman protects rich white people. And, you know, she says, you know, be careful living that big house. He's like, you're slipping. So I was like, wait, does she know who he is? But it turns out she doesn't. So he says that, you know, or she says that he should have stayed in San Francisco. And he's like, oh, San Francisco was a mistake. And she comments that he's been different since he came back. And then he asks her to show him where is this dude? You know, where is he picking up kids? And you know he's like, you know, we could take pictures and show them the cops. And he's like, it's worth trying or whatever. So they find a guy, and Jason must have like a super fancy Wayne Tech phone or something like that, because they're like down this alley, like looking at the street. And he like takes out his phone, and he's able to zoom in super close and everything. And then it does like a, a search on him. It pulls up his his rap sheet. And he's like, his name is Pete Hawkins. He's been in and out of Blackgate. He gooned up with the Joker last year. And she's like, how do you know that? You know, she didn't really see it. She didn't see his, his screen. So he doesn't really answer. And then he's like, well, I'm still me. And so he wants to go talk to the guy. And Jason kind of gets in his face. He's like, oh, we hate clowns. And uh, I think he's like, my name is F and her name is you or, or something like that. So he asks if he knows who Diego Martinez is. And Hawkins tells, tells Jason, he's like, you, you know, he's like, you haven't done enough time to look at me like that. And Jason's like, you have no idea who I am. So Molly's trying to get Jason to leave because, you know, this is like very tense. So, she, you know, she doesn't know who he is or whatever that he's or she knows who he is. She doesn't know what he's robbing. Then Hawkins, uh, he pulls out a gun and he's like, well, where's your swag now? So Jason has a flashback of, of getting beat by Deathstroke and like, you know, thrown out the window. So he's, he's like not able to work. Uh, then Hawkins uh, pistol whips in. Jason tries getting up, and then Hawkins just, like, hits him down again. Then he kicks him, like, six times or something like that, and he gives him, like, one more kick before leaving. And then uh, he yells at Molly to 
Uh, or so then as he he leaves, Molly's like trying to help Jason up, and he's like, just leave me alone or whatever. And then again, he's like, just get the f away from me. And she's just trying to help him, and he's just like, whatever. So Jason goes to see Leslie. He figures she wants to talk about the emotional crap. He's like, my mother was a smack addict, and it killed her. He's like, my dad was murdered by Two-Face. He's like, I add three years of foster care BS, and I'm, I'm probably effed up. And he says that he's just having bad dreams, and is off his game. He's like, so just give me the pill. And she's like, pill? He's like, that's what, what you do, right? You get people to open up, and then you give them pills. And, you know, he talks about they tried giving him pills, uh, but he never took them, like, you know, a Ritalin and I forget what else. He listed, like, a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I guess the foster parents or whatever started taking his prescriptions and that. So then uh, in her office, he notices, like, a, like a group picture and Jonathan Crane's in there with, like, others. So then he kind of gets interested. He's like, you knew the Scarecrow? And she's like, he wasn't a scarecrow when I knew him. He was actually a, a brilliant graduate student, and he was obsessed with fear. So she's like, he was my friend until he tried to kill me. So he poisoned her with his gas. He blamed her when she found out about his experiments. And then Jason's like, asked what the fear gas was like. And she's like, we're here to talk about you. And But then she finally says that it was as close to hell as you can get while still alive. And she's like, if it wasn't for Bruce saving me, and then uh, she asks, like, what's his worst fear? And he's, like, being stuck in his room, you know, talking about all this crap. And then she's like, okay, see you tomorrow. You know, she said, come back and we'll try again. And, and she's like, and I might even tell you a story about Superman. So Jason goes to the cave. He's, like, looking at this, like, little trophy room thing. He sees, like, the ventriloquist dummy, uh, like, a two-face coin. He sees Joker cards, um, someone's coin. I don't know. I don't know who's who's or someone's sword i don't know whose sword he sees like uh catwoman's goggles and whip then he pulls out a vial of like crane's fear liquid and he sees like scarecrow mask uh just like sitting there so then bruce he's asking him if he has thoughts about leslie and then jason puts the liquid back he's like you shouldn't sneak up on people and bruce's like well it's a skill that comes in handy and he asks him how it went and jason's like it was okay Bruce brings up Leslie's uh, scarecrow encounter, but you know, and he tells Jason, he's like, "What did she tell you that I asked her?" And he's like, "No, she didn't say anything about the se- what happens in the session. That's between you guys." So then he's like, "Here, he, Bruce says that she, you know, she was lucky to survive. It made her a better therapist." And Jason's like, "You know, she's kind of hot. Did you ever?" And Bruce is like, uh, "He's like, I have a conference call. What is like, you know, Luther's up to something, so he's, you know, he doesn't want to answer." Then uh, he asks Jason he's about like the bruise on his eye, and he's like, oh, "I fell off a bike or my bike or like that." And then uh, Bruce is like, "Well, I'm proud of you, son, for for going." He's like, "I know it wasn't easy." And Jason's like, "Son," and Bruce kind of hesitates, and he's like, "Yeah." And then Jason, he, it's like he almost smiles like a couple times. So as you're looking at this, it's like, okay, they're making some some headway here. You know, Bruce is, is showing caring and compassion. How did Jason fall so far? So then uh, he's back with Leslie. They're doing like, uh, you know, more sessions, word associations. And uh, Leslie's like, mother. So, of course, Jason's like, effer. And she's just like stares at him. And then he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, my bad. So he like felt you can tell he really did feel bad. And she's like, "Don't apologize." And she repeats, "Mother," and he says, "Gone." And then she says, "Father," and Jason replies, "Bruce." So see, he does care about about Batman, about Bruce. Then she says, "San Francisco," and Jason says, "Rose." And then uh, then she's like, "Friend," and he says, "Molly." Robin, freedom. Then she asks him if he was afraid in the alley when the dude pulled a gun on him, and he's like, "Why?" 
And she's like, because Robin's not supposed to be afraid. And she's like, you know, Bruce puts a lot of pressure on you. And Jason's like, well, you know, it's not Bruce's fault that I keep effing up. And, you know, he's like, he says that Bruce can't think he's afraid. Jason says that, you know, he's tired of being afraid. He's, you know, he's freaking out all the time. He's having nightmares. His hands are shaking. And he says that, you know, once Bruce loses faith in someone, he takes it all away. And she's like, she says, so, you know, suppose Bruce took Robin away and you just got to be Jason. You know, you just got to be Jason Todd. And Jason says, he's like, Jason Todd lived on the streets and ate out of dumpsters. He's like, my life isn't crap without Robin. And she's like, does Molly know you're Robin? He's like, F no. And Leslie says, uh, you know, Molly likes Jason because Jason's a real person. Robin is a construct. He's made by a crime-fighting vigilante who has a borderline personality disorder. And Robin is a living embodiment of that man's projection. And, you know, that's what Jason is afraid of not being she's like you know he's like a ghost she's like you'll be fine without the costume and he asks he's like well is that what you're going to tell bruce and she says that she's like i'll tell him whatever you want to and jason says he's like well you're supposed to sign off on me going back and she's like bruce isn't my patient so she's like what do you want and he's like to feel better so she wants to keep talking if after all that if he wants to keep being robin Great. You know, either way, if he agrees to come again next week, uh, you know, she'll sign or whatever. So before he leaves, she says, you know, just because you're afraid doesn't mean you're broken. She's like, I want you to hear that, uh, hear someone say that and mean it. So he goes outside. Bruce picks him up. Um, Jason, or he's like texting, starts texting Molly and apologizes. And then Bruce, like, put the phone away. So they're, they're like in an alley to get out of the car. And, you know, they're just standing there. It's like outside a theater like in the back of the theater or something like that. And then he's like, this is where your parents died. And, you know, he's he's like, this is where everything changed. And he's like, you know, everything I've done is to help you, son. He says that, you know, what he brought him into with Robin is tearing him apart. You know, it pushed him because Bruce thinks that the city is alive. It's doing bad things. He's like, I've lost too many people at Gotham. He's like, I won't lose you, Jason. And Jason's like, he's like, you won't. And Bruce is like, you know, you can't keep that promise. He's like, but I can make you. And he's, he's like, so, you know, he says that, you know, he's not going to let him be Robin. So Jason thinks that Bruce talked to Leslie and Bruce, he's like, what, she tell you I'm crazy or, you know, whatever, broken or Bruce is like, this has nothing to do with that. And Bruce says that he doesn't need to wear a costume to be his son. Jason's like, you think I'm weak? He's like, you know, you never did this with Jason. And Bruce says, it's different. And he's like, I've learned from my mistakes. And just Jason's like, oh, so I'm an effing mistake now? He's like, you gave Dick everything. He's like, why won't you do that with me? He's like, please don't give up on me. He's like, and Bruce is like, he's like, I never will. He's like, but I made my choice. He's like, I have to go to London tonight for business. He's like, why don't you come with me? We could both use some time away from Gotham. And Jason's like, he's like, you're wrong about me. He's like, I'll prove it. And he just like walks away. Then we see Leslie's like eating her some dinner at home or whatever. And then Jason calls her. So she answers her phone. She's like, oh, how about some more word association? And he's like, liar. And she's like, Jason. He's like, liar. And, you know, so he hangs up. He's outside Arkham. Somehow he gets in to see Crane. And, you know, he says that he's working with the Gotham PD. And he says that, you know, he made fear gas, so he should be able to make something to get rid of it. And he shows him the sample from the cave. And Crane, like, because at first he's just kind of ignoring him. He's like, yeah, whatever. Then, then he recognizes the container thing. He's like, oh, a collector's item from a very special collector. He's like, I thought Batman destroyed all those. He's like, it should only be accessible to those closest to him so jason says he wants crane to reverse engineer the gas 
Crane says, well, you know, assuming that's possible, he's like, what's in it for me? And Jason's like, information about the man who put you in here. He's, and then Crane's like, well, he's like, well, I also want out of Arkham. He's like, and I want Robin to be the one to do it. Because he said, you know, it would be poetic justice that, you know, flying out on the wings of Robin when, you know, he was brought in from bat or whatever. So then uh, we see Jason's renting the warehouse place. He's working on mixing the chemicals. He's, he's trying several because uh, he or Crane told him he's like, we'll grab a pencil. And he's like, whatever, gave him some formula. So Jason's trying all these diff several different batches because supposedly Crane doesn't know exactly. So he has to try different things. Finally, he figures it out. You know, he takes he's like trying he's trying it on himself. He does inhaler thing and his eyes glow, whatever. So I guess he, he figured out. He goes to Crane and he's like, your formula was off. And Crane's like, it wasn't too far off. So it's like, I think he he knew and was just toying with Jason maybe to make him figure it out. So then Crane asks him how it feels to be fearless. And he, Jason's like, I don't feel anything. So then Crane suggests that they test it against Batman's biggest enemy. So three days later, later Jason's at the computer's. And this is like, I found him. I got him. This is like what we saw at the beginning of the season. He calls Bruce. He's, and, you know, and Jason, or Bruce is like, she's like, no, just, you know, stand down, leave him, whatever. He's like, I'm not afraid of him, whatever. He goes to the costume, you know, the costume case, takes his, his suit, goes to the amusement park, gets caught by surprise. Joker beats him with a crowbar. So then at Arkham, alarm goes off, inmates are put on the ground. Crane's like, what happened? Whatever. And they're like, Joker just killed Robin. So then we see the morgue, uh, there's like you know someone wheeling something. You see the body, a body bag being dragged by that henchman dude. You know we don't see his face or whatever. He opens up the bag, and you see like Jason's face is. I mean he is dead. He was dead because at first it's like did he really die? Did you know because they're like did he trick Batman somehow? His face is like all cracked and they're, like his jaws cracked and it's just you know it's he got beat by a crowbar, and uh, so he takes him in this like other room and there's like this Lazarus pit in the room I guess. So he just puts Jason's body in there. Then, you know, when Jason comes out, he's healed. The dude tells him he's okay, he's safe. Uh, you know, finally, when Jason sits up, Crane is there. Uh, you know, he explains that he was dead and they brought him back. So they're in, like, some secret place in Arkham. And it's like, how the heck did Crane get out of there? I mean, this makes no sense. And then this is a part I thought was a little cheesy. Because so it's this whole big secret room under Arkham that no one knows about. He even has like a record player and stuff like that. So he puts on uh, Inagata Devita. I, I think it was the Iron Butterfly version. I think it was the original. As he's every he starts like doing this dance. So I just feel like it it didn't work. I get what they were going for playing this whatever you know. Come to make your hand, you know. Uh, it's just it just looked kind of dumb. So then he gives uh, Jason more medication. And then uh, later, Jason dresses in a red hood, hood costume. He's like, a new name, a new whatever, a new costume. But it's like, where did the, the suit come from? Who, who made it? <laughs> How could Crane do it if he's locked up all the time? So then we see Red Hood is chasing Hawkins, uh, the street corner dude. And he's like toying with him and everything. And he even like gives him a gun. And, you know, he's like popping in front of him, behind him, whatever. Gives him a beating. And then, you know, he's he's at the end, he, he, he's like, no, don't shoot me, whatever. And he, he's like, I want you to tell your all your friends about me. And Hawkins is like, okay. He's like, he's like, who are you? And then Jason shoots him. He's like, I'll just tell him myself. So then we see Molly's like sleeping in her, her bed, whatever. And like her door opens and she wakes up and she sees Diego there. So Red Hood brought her, brought um, 
Diego there. And he's like, then he's like looking. He's like, I'd never hurt you, Molly. And she's like, Jason? And he's like, the city owes us. He's like, it's going to get better. And she says that she doesn't know what he's doing, but he needs help. And Jason's like, he's like, well, it's, it'll get worse before it gets better. And he's like, and get a better lock. So that's uh, the end of it. We, so now we, we got to see how he got involved with Crane. That seemed like a big jump. I See, I don't know how I feel about that. So Jason, you know, you could see that he, you know, he does care about Bruce. And, you know, he cares about being Robin because he feels like that that really defines who he is. That, you know, if he's not Robin, he feels he's worthless. He's nothing. But then... For him, I, I, okay, I get it. He goes to Crane because, you know, he's got this fear. He's got these dreams, and it's messing him up. He thinks it's affecting him, his chances of being Robin. So he goes to Crane. He's like, help me not be afraid. And by helping me, I'll tell you all of Batman's secrets, which is like a huge betrayal. So there we go. Um, and I have no idea what's going to happen next week, which is how I love it. I You know, I love that there's no... Uh, previews to tempt me. I mean, there may be previews online if you look now, but I don't even know what the next episode is, and so I think that's that's great. Okay, then uh, just briefly because I haven't watched it, so this is it's eight episodes, which seems like a lot. Uh, so there's a new show on, or it's a miniseries. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's just a one season. Uh, it's called Clickbait. So it's on Netflix, and uh, it's interesting. I, I like the premise, and um, Unfortunately, I feel like some of the acting, the delivery of the of the the lines, it it feels a little off. So I, I'm you know as I watched the first episode, not that I was I mean I was cringing maybe a tiny bit you know just like like, like I said some it just whether it was a dialogue or the, or the, the delivery it's just it just wasn't you know whatever. So I was overlooking that because it's like okay i'm really curious it's like what is what's going to happen what's the story so the official um let's see what this says is there official synopsis i'm not seeing it basically what's going on is we're we're introduced to this like family whatever you know there's like this brother and sister and uh the girl is she's uh the sister's it's, it's kind of a mess or whatever and you know because they're 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 at the brother's house for their mother's birthday and the guy is married and has two kids but the sister like really doesn't like the wife and i'm hoping it's not because she's black because you know she she you can see she does care about the kids you know there's that but maybe it's because the the wife is has her head on straight or i don't even know no she's a teacher i think yeah but maybe because she's more perfect with what she does or how she presents herself or something like that. But it's like, for whatever reason, the sister doesn't like her. And again, this is just based off of pretty much one episode. And uh, they were supposed to get their mom like a, a group gift. They were going to get her bread maker, but then they ended up getting her like this uh, rock, rock garden, some, some table garden, some, some whatever other thing. And she's like, I thought we we're getting her bread maker. And so she's like really upset that they, this was supposed to be a, a, group gift and then they change it she didn't even know that and you know she's like she would have liked the bread maker better or whatever and you know she's drinking and you know there's stuff like that so then it finally gets a point where he like yells at her you know like he's like that's enough he like tells her to get out so then what ends up happening after that 
is she because she works at some sort of hospital. Like, I don't know if she's like a full on nurse, but she's like with this kid. And uh, I think there's like taking like, blood from him. And he's like watching a video and there's this guy and it's like he's holding up. He's You can see he's like he's been beaten. You know, he's got some blood on his face and, you know, he doesn't say anything. And he holds up a sign that says, like, I abuse women. And basically, it's like, I, I don't I think I don't think it said on this because he holds up another sign too or something like that. Or maybe it was like on the screen. But it says if the video gets five million hits, he's going to be killed. And what she notices that this this guy is her brother, so she's like, "What is going on?" Because you know her brother is a good guy, or, or we're, we're supposed to believe. So she's like freaking out, and she's like, "What is going on?" She's trying to call him, and she can't get a hold of him. And you know she tries uh, like his work or whatever, and she calls you know like a friend, and she calls like the sister, doesn't answer. She goes to the school and just like barges in, and like you know security is chasing her and stuff like that. So they're trying to figure out where he is. They, they they end up going to his work, and they find out you know he had an appointment at eight in the morning. He didn't show up, and everything like that. And they you know they try going to police, but you know it's only been a few hours and everything. But the the video views are are increasing. It's start, starting to go viral and everything like that. So that's um. That's kind of like what the show is about. What happens at the end of the first episode? Spoiler: It finally it does reach five million views because there was like a second video that came out. Oh, because like with the first one, uh, the first video, the writing on the signs, they're like that's his handwriting. But then there was a second video, and I forget what it said in the second video, but it, it wasn't his handwriting. So you know they made him hold up this other one. And he like refused to do it or whatever. So finally, at the end of the first episode, it hits 5 million views. And then it's just sort of like, what does that mean? What's going to happen and everything? And they even figure out like where the video was filmed. Because uh, the the kid that she took blood from when she first saw the video, he's like really good, really good with computers. So he uh, basically went, was online and there's like, like kind of like a group chat thing or like all these people, like he got help from all these people like around the world and people who just, they l- kind of like thrive on this stuff. And it's, you know, they just want to be investigated. And he's like, there are people of all ages and there's like some retired police officers. So, you know, they're all like looking at different things, different clues and trying to figure it out. And so that's how they were able to get some clues to, to narrow things down or whatever. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, well, what's going on? Because, you know, what does, why would someone do this to him? And is, is he, are they really going to kill him or not? And, you know, there, there's, I don't know, because like I said, I watched the first episode and then, maybe like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of the second one. And it wasn't that I didn't care, but it was because I think it was, it was Wednesday night. And, uh, that's when I got home really late and, you know, I'm trying to, it's like, I got to read comics, but I was like, I, I was curious about this. I had to finish watching what if, and then, you know, Thursday I went to the movie and I watched Titans and Friday it was, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to watch more. I don't think I'm going to talk about the rest of the show on the podcast um, I, I it almost feels like the nature of this show, and because it's like a miniseries, and because it's not like a an established franchise comic adaptation type of thing, I, I don't really want to spoil it. So, hopefully, what I said to you is intriguing enough. And you know, like I said, it's not going to be like necess- in my opinion, because all of this is my opinion. It's not going to be like necessarily like the best production out there. But I feel like the story is interesting enough. You know, why was he taken or kidnapped 
forced to write this, you know, does, did he really abuse women? Did he really do something? I forgot what else it said, like what the second sign was. And, you know, you, you can look up the trailer, you know, just go to YouTube and look, you know, clickbait Netflix and, you know, you'll see the trailer for it. So I'm really curious to see how this, this plays out. But like I said, I don't think it would make sense. I mean, maybe what I, I could, uh, if I hopefully get a chance to watch the rest of this before next week, I can just um, share my thoughts on the rest of it without going into full details. Like I said, I just don't think it's it's worth our time for me spoiling it all because I feel like if you are interested in this, you should watch this rather than me spoil everything because that just doesn't really make sense. So it's called clickbait. Um, it's it's interesting, but we'll see. And hopefully next week I'll I'll let you guys you all know what I thought of it. Okay, then there is then there is the the Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. So this is a Netflix. I guess I mean I guess it's a South Korean American adult animated dark fantasy film. So I think I think they're calling it anime, but you know does I don't know what the what a specific things you know definition of anime are is. So it's a it's um not Geralt. That's his name. It's it's basically his mentor, and so Vesemir, and and it's basically his story. So you know we, we see how he became a Witcher is basically what this is about. So for me, and like I said, let me, let's see what it says in reception. I'll just jump to that. I'm on the Wikipedia page. Okay, I don't know if this has been updated, and I don't. I'm not going to search because I just happen to have this tab still open. But it, it was at a hundred percent, but only based on sixteen reviews, which isn't a whole lot. Uh, Metacritic, wait, average rating from four reviews is sixty-eight out of a hundred. That's a pretty big difference. So um, I thought people kind of liked it. For me, the problem is I'm not heavily invested and i think i mentioned this i'm not heavily invested in the witcher world you know i do have a video game that i didn't realize i had and i think it's i don't remember if, maybe it's witcher 2 i forget which one it is uh, but i haven't opened it and it's for xbox 360 which i don't even i have it sit, i don't even know if it's hooked up it's sitting under my tv but it's not hooked up i think you know i've watched the henry cavill series you know season so I, I'm a little curious about it, but I don't know if it, it if it's because it was animated, but like some of the things that the actions that take place, the animation is really good. Voice acting is 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 good, um, but uh, uh, Graham McTavish is is a character. He's Douglin. He's uh, I guess he's Vesemir's kind of mentor. So a uh, Graham McTavish, you may have seen him in other things. He's an Outlander or was an Outlander. Spoiler, <laughs> um, but so the, the voice acting is good. Animation is is pretty slick and everything, but there's just like some really big, dramatic like things that happen. And while I can't say that the Henry Cavill Witcher is like I remember every single detail of it, you know, I've only watched it one time, but I feel like. Some of the action in this an is animated movie is just like on a higher scale than what we saw in the live action, and you know that makes sense because if it's animated, you know you can get away and do more things. But 
it's just it, it doesn't feel like it's in the same world then because it's almost like this is a totally different thing so um, i don't even know how how much detail i sh- i should get into but you know we, we basically see how the potential witchers were being recruited as you know these kids that were brought in and uh, one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting is so like you know vesemir when he was a kid, you know, before all this happened, he was kind of like serving, you know, or helping like his dad as, you know, like fetching things, whatever. Cause like there's this woman who was possibly possessed or something like that. So he's supposed to go, you know, get some, some roots or something like that, you know, buy some whatever herbs. And uh, there's this girl that, you know, his like their friends and, you know, so there's this whole thing that happens, whatever. But then it's like later you see her, I think she was like, almost like 70 so you know she's like this older lady and he's just like a regular adult dude because since they age differently or something like that so you know that was kind of interesting to see like that connection how they were together and then you know whatever but yeah other than that so i ended up finishing i i I started why when i started i actually started watching this on monday because it came out on monday on netflix i started watching it and then um I was like, I got to read comics too. So this is again my my weak, lame excuse. So I I stopped watching it so I could read more comics because there's so many comics to read, and then I ended up watching the end of it Thursday after I finished after I watched Candyman in, in the theater, and after I I finished Titans because I had like half of it I had to watch, and then I, I watched this. So by that time, you know, it's like it's getting to be late, and. I, it didn't have a hundred percent of my attention. I'm gonna be totally honest, but it, it's it's a good production, everything like that. But for me, since I haven't played the games and I don't really know the world that deeply, I was just like, okay, this is fine. But I would say I'm assuming if you're into The Witcher more than I am, if you've read any of the books or played any of the games or read any of the comics, that. It feels like this is probably like a good deal here that, you know, it, it's true to who the character should be and all that. But it just, for me, it was just fine. And I I wasn't like gaga over it, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or whatever. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really make much more sense for me to, to go that deeply into it because, you know, like I said, it was, it was just fine. So um, if you are into Witcher, I would say, you know, definitely check it out to see if it's something you'd be into and um i i would be curious as like you know so, so what would what does someone who's like really into witcher think of this and and um it was fine so there you go so the what was it called again uh witcher nightmare of the wolf so but it's cool that they did this i i i do like that they i like when you know that netflix is doing this you know they, they were doing these series and then they kind of expand it or enhance it with like an animated show because maybe it's like easier to do that and i you know they did that with altered carbon and i think they're doing that with army of the dead we're supposed to get an anime or some, some sort of whatever so there you go so uh witcher nightmare of the wolf okay then uh the first movie feature or the second if you want to count the witcher is the night house so this i really enjoyed this i, I like this more than I, I like reminiscence from from last week a totally different type of movie, 
But the, I remember when I first saw the trailer for this, because I think this was supposed to come out last year, because it, it actually it played at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020 in January. But then because of COVID, it, it just got um, pushed off or whatever. So it's put out by Searchlight Pictures. So that's kind of artsy fartsy, but it's it's a it's a good movie. Um, it's just it's a they I guess it's called would be a psychological thriller or whatever. If you if you watch the trailer, the trailer there's a one bit that's a tiny bit misleading, but it's okay if, if they mislead you like that. But that that kind of, it's like what the heck? That's kind of like what sold me on this movie. But they do a good job. Before I get into like some specifics, as much as I like the movie, it does falter a tiny bit with the exclamation like towards the end it's not like completely like oh like really um you know i didn't wasn't rolling my eyes or anything like that i was just i was a little like "Mm, okay you know i I was a little let down but i still really like the movie and you know i I do recommend seeing it uh i performances were great so rebecca hall you know she so basically what the story is she's a widow uh she finds out that her you know or she finds out her husband committed suicide and she has no idea why. You know, there's there's like there's no indication, no hints that that this was going to happen. And at one point, she's like, if if you know, out of the two of us, she was more likely to commit suicide than he was. And you know, they they lived. They had this like lake house that he built himself. And um, what he had done is he took a boat out to the lake and he shot himself. And she's like, I didn't even know we owned a gun or he owned a gun. So, you know, she's just doesn't know what's going on. And her house, you know, this is a gorgeous house. And there's like just pictures of them everywhere. So you, you really feel for her. You know, she's like drinking, I think it's like his scotch or something. I forget what it was. But I think he had some like stuff like downstairs. And and uh, she's, you know, just drinking and thinking. And 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 you kind of get this idea. It's like, is there a presence in the house? It's like, you know, where is this going to go? One one thing, one part that I love is being a, t- a teacher. So this happened like on a Thursday, and then she ends up going to school. You know, while there's like you know the faculty are talking like that because her and her friends like, oh, why are you here? And we didn't think you were coming. You know, going to come back right away. And she's like, well, I got to do you know grades because it's the end of the school year. And she's like, you know, oh, we could have done that for you, or whatever. She's like, no, you know, it gets me out of the house and you know, it's it's good. So she's in her room, uh, you know laptop open you know doing the grade and a parent comes in and she's like can i help you she's like oh yeah i'm hunter's mom and she's like i I guess she has like more than one hunter or something like that but then she's so this kid was taking like a a elective speech class with her and he he was going to get a c for the class and then uh beth um, rebecca hall she's like yeah because he didn't do his, his final project or something or his one project or something like that and you know she, she's like yeah you know well you know we all have things that come up and you know he was going to do it then she's like well he came in thursday which was would have been the last day of school maybe or close to it i don't know she, she's like he came in but you you weren't here that day and then you know so beth is like it's because my husband killed himself and, and I love that she's just like, because, you know, his parents are like, well, he can't. It's a friggin' last day of school. And this kid's like this project, this whatever, this speech, this presentation he's supposed to do, like probably like a couple weeks before. And he's like totally scrambling and he wants to do it on the last day of school. Just, you know, whatever. And, and so then the, the parents like the mom's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, I didn't hear that. And she's like, it's like, yeah, because it's personal. 
because uh, I think that's what the mom's like. We have personal things or whatever. And then and she's like, you know what? She's like, here. And she's like, tap. You want to be? It's got to be in the class. And she's like, that, that's no, no. It's like, that's not why I came here. Then she's like, well, why did you come here? You must have wanted something. And she's like, oh, I, I, oh, I get it. She's like, you want an A? There you go. He's got an A now. And then she's like, a B, B would have been fine. She's like, I'm, I'm really sorry. So, I, I mean, it's horrible. But I just love that she slammed his parent down. Because it's just like, you know, your kid is a bonehead that was flaking on his project and didn't do it. And this is why you have hard deadlines. It's like, you got to meet him. So anyways, so she's just really trying to figure out, like, what's going on and everything. And 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 it's kind of not good because, you know, she's really, you know, because she's, she's being alone. Like, her friend's like, hey, why don't you stay with us? You know, have come in at dinner. She's like, no, I'm, you know, fine, whatever. And because even, like, like one night, you know, she does go out with her, her friend and a couple other coworkers. And then, you know, she has too much to drink. And, uh, you know, she gets a little dark. But, you know, because, uh, like. Well, one of the friends like, well, did he leave a note? And the friend's like, hey, whatever. And she's like, what? So, um, and then she's like, oh, yeah, he did. And she actually had it in her purse. So it, it, the, all the note said is, there is nothing, nothing after you. You're safe now. So she's just like, what does that even mean? And, you know, she doesn't even know. So, and then like later, you know, she's like going through all the stuff. She's like taking stuff down, and, you know, because she's, what is she going to do with all the stuff? You know, she's living in his house. Is she going to stay there one one, or is she going to sell it? Even though she, you know she loves the place because he built it. But there's like all these pictures of him. I mean, what do you do if if that happens? You lose your spouse. You lose the loved one. Do you keep all these pictures? You know, you don't like erase them. But there's just all these picture reminders, and you're trying to grieve and deal with it, and just constant reminders and everything like that. So then uh, she's like looking through all this stuff, and she finds like this like sketchbook thing that she gave him at one point and you know the plans for the house are in there you know so she's like looking at his drawings because you know he's really took pride in everything like that but then there's like a reverse floor plan it's like the house but backwards so she's like has no idea what that means and she's just she kind of dismisses it but then uh she went like when i like music turns out like the radio turns on and uh she gets like a text from his phone but she's like wait how's that possible or something like that and she ends up like looking through boxes she finds his phone or something like that she ends up having to charge it and um and and she see because it, it's like was it a dream did it really happen or whatever but then she like finds up this like picture on there of this other you know she's like looking at this, there's a picture like a, a woman like in a like a bookstore or library you know whatever kind of like sort of taken from a back angle and it's like She's looking at that. She's like, is that me? She's like, I don't, you know, she's looking at it and you wouldn't know. It's like, wait, I was never at this place. What is going on? And it's like that. So there's like something going on with that. It's like, what is that all about? And there's also a, a point where let's just say she finds the reverse house at some point, sort of. I won't get into more specifics. You see that in a trailer and it's just like, okay, what is going on? And, you know, there's this place like on the opposite side of the lake where there, uh, there's this like neighbor that's like, he's like, oh, there's no houses, but you know, it's like, it's government land or nature preserve, or, you know, it's like, you can't build on it, but there's a, a house there. So it's like, what, what is the deal? What's going on? And, you know, what's with this text? Is, how did the stereo turn on? Is she dreaming? Is there a ghost? Or, you know, what's going, who is this? What's this picture? And so that's all I, I, I want to say. I don't want to spoil anything further than that, but it's a, it's it's pretty good, you know, freaky and all that stuff where it, you know, it really leaves you guess guessing and, and all that. 
once you kind of get the exclamation, it's it's good. You know, it, it's a it's a fine exclamation. You know, I, I can't say I hundred percent loved the exclamation, but it was it was pretty darn close, and I I, I felt overall it was a good movie. So, uh, you know, like I, I said, I went on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, it's it's a, a great escape. I was the only one in the theater, which was nice. As like a private screening, practically, and uh, so it, it's it's a good movie, and it's just it's just really well done, and it's nice seeing movies like this. You know, I love all these genre movies, and you know everything like that, and just a high production and everything. But this is just a, even though there's like is there supernatural, but I I feel like this is this is like a it's an artsy movie. You know, it's it's a more independent movie, and even though uh, David S. Goyer was, was a producer. Uh, I feel like it was it, it felt like more like an indie movie you know it's just like it's own little isolated thing and and I just I really like that that you know it it sucked me out for um how long was the movie however long it was 110 minutes and you know it, you don't know what what's coming cuz as much as I love like the Marvel movies or what you know you kind of have an idea roundabouts what's going to happen you know the good guys are I guess the good guys don't always win but I I just thought it was, a, it was a good production all around. So I would recommend seeing it. Does it need to be seen in a theater? If you're hesitant about going to theater, you know, it's not like crucial to see it, but it was good because, you know, the visuals are, are nice. There are some parts where it's like, you know, the, the noise, not like an intentional jump scare, but it kind of is a jump scare. So there, there are some parts. Um, there's a couple parts where it's just like, uh, you know, like, oh, there was one part. Um, oh, man, there's one part where something is shown and I'm just like, uh, like my jaw literally dropped. I'm like, holy sh! I was just like, oh, oh, I was like really surprised by that. So I thought that was a, that was it was it was surprising. So that's in the the night house. If you get a chance, watch as soon as it's available for rental, or I don't. I mean, I would say don't wait till it's like on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. You know, you want to see this. It's it's good and. I think it's important also to support this movie. So if you want to see it at home, you know, it'll probably be available to rental sooner rather than later since, you know, the theatrical windows are shorter these days. So I would say if you're able to, you know, support the movie because, you know, it's, it's good to see, it's important to see like different stuff rather than just all the same. So you should definitely check it out. And then the final, the main movie feature is Candyman, and uh, it doesn't matter how. It's like, is there? There's, there's got to be some sort of time limit, like how many times you can say it. And again, you're supposed to be looking in the mirror, so it's not like if there's reflective surface that shouldn't count or whatever, right? So, uh, I, I did enjoy this movie. I, I think it's really good. I, I'm a big fan of the original movie, and mainly because. I'm a big Clive Barker fan and, you know, reading the original story, uh, the forbidden and in the movie, you know, Tony Todd, uh, Virginia Madsen, you know, it's just, I, I want to watch the movie again. And, um, I kind of wish I would have watched it before. You don't have to, I would say if, if you are going to see this, you know, yeah, see, watch the original and watch this. And I'm trying to think how many other Candyman movies there were. I think, was there only two? I feel like, I made did the third one not end up happening. Um, I don't know if the, the second one. I, I'm trying to think if I saw the second one. I don't think it was as good as the first, but I whatever. So uh, this movie is a uh, was co-written by 
Jordan Peele. Um, he also it was also by, by Win Rosenfeld and Nia DaCosta. So Nia DaCosta is the director, and you know she's also going to be directing the Marvels, uh, the Captain Marvel sequel or whatever. So um, the the movie it's it's kind of funny. When, so when I'm in the theater watching this, and first like the Universal logo comes up, but it's backwards. I'm like, hmm. And then like the MGM lion thing, and that's backwards. I'm like, okay, we're, we don't have films anymore. I mean, some theaters may have films. It's like this theater doesn't have films, so it's probably like some sort of digital thing. But it's like, how is it back? It's not like you, you put the film in backwards. And actually, now that I think about it, you can't put the film in backwards because then I think the audio would be back because the audio is like on one side of the film, whatever. And then uh, the monkey paw thing comes up and i think that was backwards i'm just like is this whole movie did they somehow screw it somehow i don't understand maybe i don't know how modern film projectors work or like what the format is i assume it's just like a disc or something like some sort of like high whatever blu-ray or something and uh but i was like is this whole movie gonna be backwards i was like i don't want to get up out of my seat walk out and try to find someone in the lobby you know if if it's someone behind a concession stand and there's a line and i'm gonna i'm gonna miss all this movie because the movie is backwards and like if it's already backwards are they gonna be able what are they gonna have to rewind it or you're not wrong you know start from the beginning so i'm just like what's going on and i was like well maybe we're just gonna have to watch the movie backwards i was like should it really matter you know unless there's writing a bunch of writing to read but i was like there's probably not gonna be that much so then like the movie starts and i'm looking at i'm trying to say it's like okay is this backwards i was like it looks fine because like if you ever take a picture and flip it you know like the opposite things don't look right like if you take a, a picture of your face and then you flip it a lot of times it's just it looks askew even though we're our faces are supposed to be symmetrical or whatever so I'm looking at, and then I was like, you know, there's, there's, it's a, it t- we see like, you know, Cabrini Green, you know, this kid, little kid has to um, do the laundry, whatever. And I'm trying to think, okay, the door opened that way. It's like doors usually open the same, you know, it was a find. The rest of the movie was, was okay. So just a long, long, stupid, uh, that threw me off. It was just that that was all backwards. So basically, if, if you know the story, um, about Candyman, you know, there's the different things, you know, you say his name five times and, you know, he kills you. But the whole question is like, wh- what, what is this deal? And, um, so there's this, this dude, Anthony McCoy played by Yah, 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 Abdul Mateen II, which that name probably sounds familiar to you. <laughs> not the way I said it. He's like this artist, you know, and he's living with his girlfriend. She, she's like this um, important like art gallery director lady, and um, so she's she's helping him out because you know he he's a talented. He's got a certain style. She's like helping him uh, with stuff like that, and uh, they they have dinner with her her brother and his boyfriend, and he tells a uh, the the brother ends up telling the the story, the urban legend of Helen Lyle, who is Virginia Madsen's character. So I love the fact that this movie isn't like a complete hardcore reboot. It's just like, hey, let's just do it, remake the movie. There is a connection to the original uh, Candyman. So that's why 
I think it'd be kind of cool if you watched original first and then watch this just to remind you. They kind of tell the whole story. Like, you know, Virginia Madsen was, you know, the student. She goes, you know, just looking into things and then, you know, the whole Candyman stuff and whatever, the fire and all that. So I love that, that there's this uh, this connection to that because it, it, it acknowledges it. It respects the original. It's not just like when you see your regular reboot and it's just like, okay, we're going to do it again. And we're going to hit a lot of the same beats, but we're going to update it. It's going to look, you know, more modern or whatever. So I, I really like that. And so basically, Anthony, you know, he needs a, he has, he's kind of in a, a creative slump. You know, he needs to come up with something, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, contributing to this like art show at this important gallery that his girlfriend helped him, you know, set up. So he's, he, you know, he's trying to figure something out. And then after hearing the story about the, about, you know, the cat candy man stuff and all that, or whatever the hell in Lyle, he decides to go to where the remnants of, of, I don't know how much of Cabrini Green, because, you know, it's, it's been regent, or gentrified, whatever. And, you know, they, they kind of talk about that. So, obviously, you know, there's there's gonna, there's some social commentary in the movie. Some people might be like, oh, boy, here we go. But, no, I mean, it is important. And, and I, I think that that's great that you can have a movie that's like this uh, horror, whatever, entertainment, if, if you can say it's that entertaining. But, you know, there's also, there's an important message that you can see in the undertones, just like, you know, you would expect to see in, like, Us and, and uh, Get Out, you know. So that's that's fine. I think it's great. It's brilliant. So he goes to, um, there's, like, some, some build and some apartments that are still left, which it almost looked like it was, like, deserted. So this, this dude, Anthony, goes there. And, you know, he's he's taking some pictures and just, just trying, you know, see what, what it was like back then and what's now and everything like that. And um, I think you see this in the trailer, but it's one place, you know, he's taking a picture. I don't remember if it's a church or something like that, but he gets stung by a bee. And, you know, bees are, you know, there's connection with Candyman or so like that. And uh, so he's, you know, looking around and because he, he had to like hop a fence to get into this place, you know. So I, I was like, is it completely empty? But then there's this other dude there who works at this laundromat where he owns a laundromat. And he ends up telling him, you know, more of the story. Um, this is this guy that we, we actually see in the beginning of the movie as a kid. So there is a, this dude who had a hook for a hand, um, and he, you know, he would give out candy or something like that. And then at one point there's razor blades in a candy. So they called the police or whatever. And then the police basically killed the guy right away. And then what happened, like shortly after that, there were still more razor blades popping up. So it's like he didn't do it necessarily, but they, they just like automatically killed him. So, you know, that was part of the thing. You know, like, how does this grow into Candyman or whatever and stuff like that? And uh, so then like what happens is, you know, uh, Anthony, he's really inspired by the visuals and, and the, the urban myth and the Candyman and stuff like that. He does like all these like dark paintings and everything like that. And at the same time where his hand got stung, it's like infected and getting worse. I'd be like, holy crap, dude. Okay, I'm not the one, you know, I, I don't go to doctors, you know, often as I should or whatever. And like something comes up and I think it's like a dude thing for the most part. For me, it's more about the convenience of it. And, you know, part of it is with my work schedule and then trying to get to an appointment at the right time. It's like I can't necessarily make a doctor's appointment in the middle of the day because I have to work and it's such a pain to get a sub. 
And then am I going to be able to get there before to close? You know, so I, I, I think it's, it's a, like a dude thing. And, and maybe if you're a dude and you go to doctor, if you have insurance and you use it, that's I, I congratulate. That's that's great because, you know, you got to take care of yourself. But it's like, dude, you need to go to a doctor. Just your hand is nasty. There's one time he's like picking at it. I'm just like, that is so gross. So things just kind of go go get like escalate from there and you know he's not sure like what's going on and he's like kind of seeing Candyman even though he didn't say the name necessarily and because there are there are murder because then what when he his he does this like a series of like some art based off of this and you know he kind of mentions that the legend and stuff like that so like other people start saying the name and then they're getting killed and stuff like that so it just kind of goes from there what I will say kind of similar to Night House where the ending of the movie, uh, I'm okay with. I mean, it was it was good. I can't say I totally loved the execution of the way it ended and how it, it all the pieces came together and all that. But it, it it was fine. It's it's you know acceptable. I can ex, you know take that. But it was just um, I was just like okay, that just a little. It was a little weird, a little interesting, but yeah. So that's all I'm gonna say about about the movie. Because uh, I mean, I'm I'm not going to tell you like who dies and how they die and how many people die, because that would just ruin things. So um, you should definitely check it out. You know, if if you like horror movies, if you saw the original, if you liked the original, it's it's worth. If you like Jordan Peele movies, even though he you know, he's just a co-writer, he produced it. I don't want to say just, but you know. Uh, it, you shouldn't say it's a Jordan Peele movie because you know it's not just him. You know, there's a lot of people involved with it, but it's 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 a good and like I said, it's it's a worthy successor to the original. It's respectful to it, so I I think that's great. I really appreciate the fact that they they did that. So check it out. Um, it's it's worth watching, unless these type of movies just aren't your thing. You know, if you're like, uh, no, thank you. I'm squeamish or I, whatever. I only like happy movies. <laughs> that That's fine. <laughs> but I, like I said, it's, it's good. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to even say the movie anymore. I don't want to say the name. You know what it is. You can say, I am not going to say it. What I am going to say is that is going to be this week's episode. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to keep these, less than three hours i don't want these to be super darn long i know some people like that but let's just try to keep it in perspective so big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew loken they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter and be uh really uh cool to me and my my eyes by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the rick jones here ire you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week um i'm currently talking i, you know, I do i spend a lot of time talking about like classic comic book story arcs i do movies once in a while like you know maybe i should talk about the original Candyman, and you know because i've done like movies that like back in the day or whatever and, you know, I, there, I just realized there's a movie that I watched like some months ago that I want to talk about, but I just haven't got to. So by the time I record that, I'm probably like, maybe I'm going to have to rewatch it, which is fine because I did buy it on, on, on Prime Video. But um, and if there's something like specifically you want to talk to, like if you do want more podcast, then, you know, I, I am open to suggestions. Like if you want to say, yeah, I want to I hear about Candyman. I want to hear about, you know, something. 
I'm I'm down unless I don't really want to see. <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. So this has been another episode. So like at the beginning, I said, you know, we've gone past four. We've done four years. So this is like episode one of year five, I guess it would be because it's over. To, is that how it works? I don't I can't even think about it. It's been such a long day. So um, what's going to happen next week? So, I, yeah, like I said, I'll try to watch more clickbait um, just to see this you know because maybe it just it goes wah, 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 and it just doesn't work out or whatever there may be some other stuff um I, I never know what's coming up i usually have stuff you know planned out or whatever i can tell you the movie feature will be shang chi and uh, legend of the ten rings and i will find out am i saying his name incorrectly all this time because i don't think it's chi and i don't it's not chai it's not i don't know we'll find out so <laughs> we'll find out next week. And I, so I'm looking forward to that movie now because uh, I think it's, it's got good reviews. You know, people have seen, has seen it, whatever. So we'll talk about, about that um, next week. And um, i think if there's anything else coming up. There's, there's got to be something. So that is going to be it. Um, man, I'm, I need to catch my breath. Um, so thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. Hope uh, everything is going smoothly. Um, I hope I can start catching my breath. So that is going to be it. Have a great time. Take care of yourself. Have some fun. Do something fun for, do something good for yourself. You know, just, 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 you know, give yourself a treat. If, you know, if things have just been okay lately or not so great, you know, do yourself a favor and, you know, take care of yourself. That's, that's the important thing. And also the other important thing besides just taking care of yourself is make sure you remember to be good to each other.